Blog Talk Radio.
as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth. It was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Delo Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Port Chocville, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Trechtow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. I mean, I don't know how you can not beat that. I mean, if anyone, I mean, if 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 any speeches at all ever, I mean, how could see people just don't understand? I guess you know they just. I mean, like like one of the people were saying on my show, Sarge was saying uh, a few weeks ago when we did a Memorial Day show. They don't understand the service or what it's like to sacrifice and to to serve or to make that oath and that that and when you you make a pledge and you and you put your life on the line for your brother 
or your fellow or your people or they just don't understand it. They don't get it. I mean, if anyone's ever seen their friend die, uh, whoever's ever experienced death or seen death or, or, or seen the horrors of war firsthand, you just can't. There's no words that can describe what many veterans have seen or fought and died for, for us to enjoy the freedoms that we are watching get wasted away. It's so hard to get – we were doing a show earlier trying to get people to call in to unify voices across the country to have a powerful voice to stop corruption. Uh, and And it seems like it's a battle. It, man, years ago, I, I mean, I, I would bet that it, to light a fire like this would be so easy. I mean, I just don't understand. People are just so caught up in their own life that they're so worried about themselves and they're willing to sacrifice. And I'm going to tell you something, sacrifice, you know. Uh, it's not, this group right here that I'm going to be talking about the the, oper- the operation uh, Red Wings with uh, these these Navy SEALs that I mean it's it's I I I knew these guys so you know it's it's hard but um, th- what they went through I mean like <laughs> the Congressional Medal of Honor uh, uh, Mike Murphy I mean uh, the, the sacrifice that he laid out for for his brothers that day I mean um, it's just, it's just the, the ultimate sacrifice of Lieutenant Michael Murphy that day uh, to, to give his life is just amazing. And then these, un, these sacrifices that many Americans have given throughout the years, the heroism to fight for that flag. You know, granted, America has a lot of sins. There's no perfect country. We, we've done a lot wrong. But, we, but then we look at yourself. Are you perfect? I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. And none of us, I'm sure, claim to be perfect. So America is not perfect either. But America has that 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 goodness about it that is wanting to be perfect, that it gives us the tools to be perfect. We have the Constitution. We have the flag, the red, white, and blue. We have everything. You know, it's just not a song and dance. It's just not a tune that we sing. It's just not a that pledge. It's not. It's just not words. It means something, you know, and in your life, in our everyday lives, we tend to forget that. You know, all these people going to work in their metal coffins every day, they forget about the sacrifice that so many have given so that we can enjoy this freedom. I mean, it's just a, it's just amazing. It's just amazing that, that I mean, it, I, like I said, it's just so very difficult putting words, some of, the, some of this stuff. I'm going to play this. It's about four minutes long. This is a tribute to Lieutenant Murphy. And it's uh, very important that, uh, you know, we pay tribute to this, this hero. He was part of our generation. And then I'll go over the story of Operation Red Wings and uh, explain what happened. And uh, that day in uh, Afghanistan where so many uh, Navy SEALs lost their lives. Um, it was a, a terrible, 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 tragic day for I mean, and many of you. This was 2005. Where were you in June of 2005? Think about it. Many people didn't even know this was going on. So it's pretty sad, pretty sad. But let me play this real quick, and then uh, 
maybe uh, if I got any callers, I'll let's open up the lines too. Maybe some people have some something to contribute. Mighty or Murph. They remember a patriot who wore a New York City Times Hill flag on a uniform and owned the heroes of 9-11. And they remember an officer who respected their opinions and led them with an understated yet unmistakable sense of command. Together, Michael and his fellow SEALs deployed multiple times around the world in the war against the extremists and radicals. While their missions were often carried out in secrecy, their love of country and devotion to each other was always clear. On June 28, 2005, Michael would give his life these ideas. While conducting surveillance on a mountain ridge in Afghanistan, he and three fellow SEALs were surrounded by a much larger enemy force. Their only escape was down the side of a mountain, and the SEALs launched a valiant counterattack while cascading from cliff to cliff. But if you knew me close then, Michael recognized the survival of his men depended on falling back to the base for reinforcements. With complete disregard for his own life, he moved into a clearing where his phone would get reception. He made the call, and Michael then fell under heavy fire. Yet his grace and upbringing never deserted him. Though severely wounded, he said thank you before hanging up and returning to fight before losing his life. Unfortunately, the helicopter carrying the reinforcements never reached the team. It crashed after being struck by a rocket propelled grenade. And in the end, more Americans died in Afghanistan on June 28, 2005, and on the end of the day, since the beginning of Operation Guaranteed. The day of tragedy, also the sad distinction of being the deadly for Navy, Navy Special Warfare Forces in World War II. One of Michael's fellow seals did make it off the mountain beach. He was one of Michael's closest friends. Petty Officer Marcus Luttrell of Texas, author of a riveting book called Lone Survivor, put it this way. Mikey was the best officer I ever knew, an iron-souled warrior of colossal and almost unbelievable courage in the face of the enemy. With courage, we award Lieutenant Michael Mookie the first medal of honor for combat in Afghanistan. And with this medal, we acknowledge a debt that will not diminish with time and can never be repaid. Our nation is blessed to have volunteers like Michael who risk their lives for our freedom. We're blessed to have mothers and fathers like Maureen and Dan Murphy who raised sons with such character and courage. And we're blessed with the mercy of a loving God who comforts all those who grieve. And now I ask Michael's parents to join us on stage and the military aides will lead the citation. The President of the United States of America, in the name of Congress, takes pride in presenting the Medal of Honor to Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy, United States Navy. For his sinless gallantry and infertility at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, as the leader of a special reconnaissance element with Naval Special Warfare Task Force in Afghanistan on 27th and 28th June 2005. While leading a mission to locate a high-level anti-coalition militia leader, Lieutenant Murphy demonstrated extraordinary heroism in the face of great danger and the 
tell me something. You just you you try to insult us or try to insult a veteran or try to insult any any especially uh, seals or any or any veteran. You're going. You're hitting the floor, pal. And let come what comes. But what happened to that American pride? Where is that American spirit in all Americans today? Our flag getting burnt. People stepping on our flag. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us as a country? Have you not any honor? Have you not any courage anymore? What would we do if we were invaded? What would be? What would it be like? What, who would? You know? I mean, I just wonder what what is America about anymore? Do we have any courage or heart anymore? The people of of this country. It makes me wonder sometimes. You know, how deep do we have to go and dig? For us to find our spirit again. I remember 9-11, how united we were as a country. Remember? Out there, how united. Does anybody remember 9-11? What happened after 9-11? How united we were as a country? And that, that unity has just disappeared. It's disappeared. Why? Does it take another 9-11 to unite us again? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what problems we face internally, but as a country as a whole, can we come together again and stand up, stand up to tyranny, stand up to corruption? Corruption. Corruption. We all know it exists. We know what's going on. We see it. We hear it. But none of us are doing nothing about it. And I wonder, and I just really wonder, what's happened to America? I mean… Is it all for not what we what what we sacrificed the people that have called been called to duty? Is it all for not? I don't know. Let me see if I got anybody here who wants to participate on the uh, call here real quick here before I go into anything else. Uh, let's see here. We'll go to three two three. Your first at three three zero three two three. Go ahead. Well, hello, Joe. This is Joe. How you doing? Hey. Long time no here. Yeah, I haven't talked to you in a long time. <laughs> yeah, we, we, sh- we should get together more often, actually. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. telling you. You know, so seeing you ten minutes like ago, doing what, anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're right about the vets. I'm a vet, and um, the vets we are a uh, mistreated people. We are ones that have been neglected. The federal government doesn't give a rat's ass about us. Uh, most people don't give a rat's ass about vets. You know, they just feel, well, you're a man, that's your duty, so go do it. So that's about it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know. Remember 9-11, the, the Navy Remember 9-11? Huh? You remember 9-11, how united yeah. we were after 9-11? Remember that? Yeah. For only a few minutes, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was nice, though, for that few minutes, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Knowing that your fellow Americans had your back no matter what. It was about country. You know, it was like a blind love. You know, who cares? We're gonna go get him, yeah, right? I just, I just, I just wish Bush wasn't the president, but he was. So. I know. What I know. Do do? I know. I know. Hey, did I give you enough I time? Do. Did I give you enough time to talk tonight? Oh yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I did. I, call I, was, I wanted to observe, listen, and hear. You know, what was going on, and, and right, good, good feedback, and we got some other callers that called in, which was good. You know, and that's a great thing to mm-hmm. have more people co- contribute, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so getting back to the vets is a very important uh, thing with me, too, being that I am one. I I don't consider myself a hero. Some people talk to me and say, you know, thank you for your service, and I say thanks, but I had a nice, cushy job. I had an air-conditioned office. I had a um, a heated office during the wintertime. It's the people who were in country, you know, during, Nam, during the Nam era. They're the ones who are the heroes. They're the ones who sacrificed their lives. They're the ones who... Who who um, answered the call to duty and for what, you know, for what? All wars are yeah. bullshit. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I got some other people here who want to jump in here, so I'll bring them on real quick if you, if you don't mind. I got five zero three 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 zero. Let's bring three three zero on next here real quick. Three three zero or five. Let's bring them both on. How about that? Five zero three. Yep. Go ahead. Hey, it's Lorianne here. All right, who's 330? Long time no talk. <laughs> who, who, yeah. Who's Real that? Rogue uh, American, Dave Stanley. Oh, Joe, hey, how you who, doing, who? Dave? How you doing? Good, buddy. Good. Hey, you know, I want to say something. You're talking about 9-11, and my father was a uh, Marine Corps drill instructor, so I had the nice life as a child, you can only imagine. But the fact, when I, <laughs> when I watch 9-11... And when I got out of high school, I became a union iron worker. So I was doing high-rise buildings, doing the steel. I was called a connector. Would I climb up, shimmy up the beam, sit on a spud wrench, wait for the, the crane to swing in a piece, connect it, bolt it up, climb to the next one, you know, up and up and up and up. Yep. When I saw those planes hit those buildings, I said, bullshit. Bullshit. All bullshit. Those Did you buildings. see the planes hit the buildings, Dave? Did you see them? I mean, the, were there actually? Everyone says planes hit the building, and others say no, no planes hit the building. Hey, I know for a fact, structurally, those buildings are designed to take that impact, number one. Number two, that jet fuel cannot burn hot enough, because I've worked at LTV in the steel mill. It does not melt steel. It doesn't get hot enough. And to watch the footprint that they fall down in is controlled demolition all the way. If you've ever seen something fall down in Las Vegas when they put up a new casino or something, a hotel, identical, 1,000%. And I can't believe for the life of me, it took so long for so many people to realize that's some serious shit that just happened. And then World Trade Center 7, did they get hit by a plane and fell the same way? Building seven, yeah, building seven, yeah. yeah building I had seven fires from some from office fires and some phone books and some telephones burning. Are you shitting me? Yeah. For the first so time I mean, in history that a building unreal. like that ever falls supposedly from office fires. Come on now. I swear yeah. to God. And the I've, sad thing is, is most people don't even waited. know about World Trade Center seven. Nope. Yeah. I wanted seven. someone yep. like Donald Trump or somebody that had a lot of money. To actually put together, be, if they were so pissed off at this government that's doing, done us wrong, I believe that I, the Israeli Mossad, I think, is behind most of what's happened in 9-11. I think if somebody was to build an identical building, not you don't have to put all the, you know, the miscellaneous crap in it, but structurally to build that World Trade Center building that got hit by a plane and fly a plane into it remotely, what you'd get. It's still be standing there. I believe well, that whole with every 
Yeah. I just, how was building? I, I, how were the buildings taken down? We know that there were they were Saudi Arabia. They were Saudi Arabian uh, people on the flight. We know that. You know, there mm-hmm. was, and they, they Saudi say. Arabia, so we can't say it was, you know, Jewish people or anything like that. They were Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, then we know Saudi Arabians don't like Jews. So <laughs> we can't say Israel was responsible for this, okay? So well, for you all have the people the, out there the saying the Jews blew up the buildings, I don't think no, they, they didn't blow up the I'm buildings. I'm talking about the Mossad. <laughs> you know, the Israeli Mossad, their intelligence group. I mean, you got the group of guys that got stopped in the van that nobody ever talks about, the group that was – Standing on the bridge watching, like cheering, getting ready for it, being videotaped. Well, a lot of people were watching. Well, well, Dave, I want to say this, though. I want to say this, though. I mean, it's Saudi Arabians that that did do this. You know, look, there's a lot more to uh, the World Trade Center than people know. They have to understand that the corporate – the bankruptcy – uh, the bonds mm-hmm. for the entire country. Yeah, look who you know, we're, we're, he got out of it. You know, we're in the basement. You know, that guy that owned it, Silverstein, right? Is that his name? Silverstein? Uh, he he owned Building oh. 7. He owned Building 7. I don't oh. know who owned its World so, Trade yeah, Center. Yeah, and he bought it, what, a month prior? That's just, just so much yeah. bullshit with that stuff, you know? And the, the crazy thing is you, you can talk to the people, you watch some of the shows. These guys couldn't fly a Cessna plane. They couldn't, they couldn't take off in one, let alone land one. So now you're going to talk about these guys are flying high-tech planes at a low altitude where actually if it would have happened, they say now that those planes would not fly that low that fast. They'd get tore apart. Well, I don't know. I'm not a well, pilot. Well, it's but. interesting that this, this turn, this subject that, the you know, I'm, I'm paying tribute here to Operation the War in Afghanistan. Uh, it was obviously over the Caspian oil pipeline, uh, uh, right. you know, and the poppy fields and everything. Yeah, we got all that. We lost a lot of good lives in Afghanistan, a lot of good men. For 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 what for what you know I agree right. but the point being is is that they still answered the call of duty believing in fighting Absolutely. for it look if I'm a soldier you know if I'm a soldier hey look you know hey Gibson you're on your way you know I, I'm you know I'm That's fighting right. for America That's what I think you know and I'm gonna Joe follow orders you know and Joe made a comment he he thinks you know someone says thanks for his service and he thinks well he had a cushy job I don't give a shit if he had a cushy job or not. He stepped up and signed up, unless he was drafted, and even then, you volunteered to die for your country, regardless if you're pushing a pencil or you're shooting a rifle. Regardless. Yeah. These people today yeah. don't have that. They don't have that. I know. See, like you, they I couldn't know. last a week. They couldn't last a day at Bud's, let alone. They couldn't make it in the Marine Corps boot camp. Are you, are you lost your oh, fucking God. mind? <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse my French. <laughs> Could they last yeah. at all in any? Uh, yeah, I know basic. I wonder what basics like today. Now I wonder what it's like, in, mean, you know, I've in seen, uh, the military. I've seen a lot of shit where they talk about they've they've increased the weight, they've increased the age, they've dropped down the, the uh, what your goals are, what you know, what your run time has to be, your your minimum maximum push ups. You know, I don't even think you have to do a pull up. It's they've completely bent, <laughs> made it made it weak. Can't even do a pull up. The Army does, uh, I think, except up to 45 years old now. They're hurting so bad for recruits. Well, and Bud, I just saw today Bud, a good document. Yeah. The guy documentary well, the about 10 weeks, The 10 weeks. Yeah, well, the 10 weeks when you get to Hell Week, the Hell Week is <laughs> you get no sleep at all. Not, I mean, yeah, I think uh, it's like all, cut down like four mind. hours yeah. and like 52 minutes or something. And they got it yep. all narrowed out where you, it's insane. It's insane. I mean, it's where you, it's almost they death, try to break death. you. They want to know if you can your mind, if you can keep your mind right, because physically they'll fix you. They'll do what they, you got to do. But is are you mentally oh, yeah. tough enough to take that breakdown? Yeah, and still function. Yeah. 
Well, well, when I was when I was in the Navy, right? When I went in and and you know, like I said, I was in a barroom fight in New Haven, Connecticut. I remember I was went with. Uh, Oh, I had six of my buddies. Six of them were Navy SEALs, and I had two two were in the Corps. There was about ten of us. I forgot the other two guys. I don't know if they were what they were. I think they might have been Air Force. I'm not sure. I don't know. But they were they you know. But we were black. They were just black coming around. Well, well, they we just all went up to we all took a trip. It was it's a long story. I'm not gonna get into personal details of my life, but but we were in a bar in New Haven and we ripped we tore that place apart. (laughs) It was crazy. I mean, I mean the owner was running for his life. I remember it was Sullivan Sullivan Sullivan's Bar on Ferry Street in New Haven, Connecticut. (laughs) Gotta be Irish. It was in a black guy neighborhood. It was a black neighborhood, so it probably was a little racial, you know, or whatever. You know, we were white guys coming in there. And I'm not gonna lie, and you know, and but, but well, one of our guys was black, so I don't know, you know, we thought we that was justified, and maybe I don't know. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but man, we started over a pool game, and that was it, man. That's Balls it, right? Yeah, I was say, <laughs> People were screaming. Be, it had to be a woman. It had to be a, be a pool table involved. <laughs> yeah, you know, I busted a stick right but over a guy's back of his head, though, man. Right? <laughs> he, didn't, I didn't even, he didn't even go down. Huh? It wasn't other servicemen you fought, just people that's regular uh, civilians, right? No, we were service. We were service. That's how I got kicked out, you know. So it no, was, I mean, yeah, all this, and they disbanded. They, they, you look it up. It's on the internet. They got disbanded. The SEAL team that I was with actually, they got disbanded. Uh, the class of uh, '93. Yeah, fighting, <laughs> you were fighting regular citizens. I'm saying you were you weren't fighting other oh, guys. Oh yeah, in yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, well, it was a well, we, we, okay. it was a black biker gang. It was a black biker oh, gang. It was a black Lord. biker bar, and we went in there, and I was like, uh, you know, it's a black, you know, and they were a gang, so we're like, we're going in there, we're going, we're going to start some shit, you know, we ain't gonna have this, you know. So we always thought we were tough and everything, you know, and I was stupid, you know, we were young and dumb and full of you know what, and uh, you know, and we thought we were gonna hey, do our thing, yeah. and uh, we ended up going to jail and getting arrested big time, and you know, <laughs> it was huge. You know, I watched the thing in this documentary news. today. This documentary I watched today about Pat Tillman, one of the guys that was actually involved with what happened to him. And I now see, I heard a lot of different stories. I saw his mom. Yeah, I heard his stories. Brother, I don't know him. Too and I, I don't know him too Friendly well. fire, but it ended up being friendly fire apparently. But the way it was portrayed, I thought, man, it sounded like he was actually uh, executed or assassinated. The way it sounded from certain stories. But today I listened to a guy that was actually in the group. The Humvees actually got split up, and then they ended up in a in a, in a gorge or a valley. And when they got split up, they, they were like 15 minutes behind Pat Tillman's uh, three or four Humvees that they were in. And it went south that way because they actually had a, they had been set up by the, one of the drivers. They had to have a mechanic work on something, and they found somebody in their local deal where they were at. And this guy, they had they all planned it. They, I mean, they were looking to get him to trap them in that gorge, all of them, and kill them all. But they actually well, there, they, was, the a lot of, there was a lot of gun running and a lot of corruption that went on over there at the, yeah. uh, you know, especially after the uh, Desert Storm, the uh, first first yep. one, but uh, with Desert Storm, and then they, you know, and Iraqi freedom and all that, and you know, and they went in, and it was all corruption, and and you know, the, the first war, the Bush, he should have just finished the job, he should just he shouldn't have pulled back, and then allowed, you know, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, if anyone remembers that, the Desert Storm, how it went, right. I, I mean, we were just kicking their ass, you know? I mean, right. and that's when I that's signed like up at that time. 
Yeah, that, uh, that was 90, yeah. 1990. Yeah. 1991, 1990. Yeah, it was 1991. Yeah, because I graduated yeah, February 1991. 1991. They knew that they had not written a statement. This kid was talking about he had someone offered or somebody came up with a general or something and said, you know, I'd like to talk to you about what happened, uh, how we're going to handle this, you know, uh, through, the, through the media or whatnot. And somebody had written his own statement and signed his name, but it was actually his signature. So somebody doctored up some, some shit, some serious shit is what happened. And I guess that's when his brother, Tillman's brother, went off the Richter scale and, and, and exposed a lot of shit that was going on. And I think I heard about even wow. Clinton being involved in that shit. And that was in 08, I think. Wow. And you were talking about 05 with the, those guys from the... Uh, oh, the yeah. Well, this is what happened with that. You see, that's, that's political. You see, they were supposed to have... The the Apaches were supposed to uh, back them up when, they, when the uh, rescue team went in. And they went in with the Chinooks, mm-hmm. and they didn't have no backup... And that's when the RPG hit the helicopter and it wiped out oh, uh, the Navy Seals. All my captain, you know, killed yeah. them all instantly. I know exactly. So, well, I heard this. Now that spelt that spirals off of Pat Tillman stuff. I no, no, that. that had nothing to do with Pat Tillman. But that that shows no, how they, they, I mean, the, the, that shows the politics of the war. That was the politics of the war, you know. And they had the Apaches right. available. They were like they said troops in contact. They, well, they anyone who was in contact, up. they had pri- priority. Everybody you know, was on a Chinook, like, and they should have not – they had no help, no backup. You were exactly yeah, right. And they, yeah, they, they pulled in there blind. And actually, the RPG but, exploded but, inside. But, but, right. Well, there's rumors – well, hang on. There's rumors that were saying that they, the pilots were told, who cares, just go, because Marcus sent the message, to, uh, or they got the um, – excuse me, uh, Murphy's message got through the Bagram uh, uh, base, yeah. and they were like, just go, just go. Who cares? We don't need backup. Let's go. Let's go rescue them. And they just flew in there blind, right. and then the, the RPG hit them. You know, never getting fired anyway from the Taliban underneath. So, and they shouldn't have done that. That was a bad call, whoever did that. But anyway, it's still, you know, right. they were killed. That's a horrible way to go, man. I mean, you know, now, it was died. just a bad, bad died. operation. I mean, that whole team died. Why they sent? But you see, you don't understand that they they were they didn't. I mean, it just was a bad area. There's no communication. You're in. You're like you're in. Right. The mountains up there are so in like they're inclined the mountain and you can't get no communications. You know? Yeah. And and so they they lost communication so many times and that wasn't nothing new. Like in the movie, they like say, Oh, if you miss three uh three then uh then they go, you know, search for them. No, no. They that's the, that's not true. That's all Hollywood talking about that crap. There was no communication at all when they dropped them in there. But they were flying in there blind all the time. They just had to make sure they were at the rally the rally points for pickup. And we lost a lot of good soldiers that way um, from from those rendezvous, well, wherever they lost communication. So it's just it's how see the movie. People who watch the movies, they think that's the way it happened. Yeah. That's not the way anything. No. None of that crap went down. You know, it's like totally ha, false. Have you ever how that happened? Like them jumping off the mountain and everything. That's not how it happened. They didn't jump off the mountain and roll down the hill and then come all back together again. <laughs> oh my God, I'm shot! You know, shoving dirt in their wounds and everything. That's not how it happened. It don't go down like that. You get shot, you're gonna know. <laughs> you know, right? 
So it, it, you ever listen it to was, Jocko Wilnick? It was bad. You know who Jocko Wilnick well, is? Yeah, I know who that is. Who's out there? Who's out there on the line right now? Who else do we got out there? Who's who's uh? Is anyone else out there present? Want and... to talk about this? Yeah, I know Lorianne is out there, but uh, Joe he dropped. Um, Sarge, where's Sarge at? Sarge out there listening? He's a veteran. Sarge is a veteran, so I'm surprised he's not listening to this one. You know, so. Um, Have you I think he said that he needed to take us for a walk before he called in, <laughs> oh, so I'm sure okay. he'll show up. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I was talking about him the other night with that guy Warren that calls into shows. He, he he said Sarge is a fake Vietnam vet. That right there, Boy, was like you, I thought about that afterwards. I was like, man, that's you get dead your wrong for him out. to say something like that. That's, yeah, that's you can get your ass, for your that. ass kicked right there. <laughs> Yeah, you don't no, say that's that not kind right. of shit because the only reason we can do what we do is because of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you don't I do mean, that. I, I felt really bad because it was my show he did it on, and, you know, and I, I don't you people or hang up on spent. people. And Sarge you know, is just furious, and I don't blame him. You know, I mean, you think yeah. people that sit around and don't do shit and then bitch and complain all day, but yet they never actually jumped up and served, and... uh if he had served, that's another story. Then he can say what he can. He can have that conversation with someone that has. But you can't sit back and be a keyboard cowboy or on the other landline. Oh, that's what we got today, to... keyboard cowboys. I think I see uh, Adam out there on the phone line. I it might be Adam. I'm, I'm not sure if that's his number. Adam's a Navy guy. Uh, I, I don't know what years Adam served. I don't know what years he served actually. I, I know he's. A, I know he's a veteran though. So uh, I don't know if you're listening, Adam. If you want to contribute or not tonight. But I'm talking about Operation Red Wings and, uh, you know, the uh, tragedy there. And this is the anniversary of it. It happened in June of uh, 2005. It was June 22nd when it happened. The media says June 28th. That's that's when they reported it. But it actually happened June 22nd. Um, I I would like to get – I'll tell you, I'd like to get him on the show. I might be able to get him on Marcus Luttrell. That would be a good podcast. I might be able to get them on. I did a show years ago where I had veterans come on where we were all going over to Syria to uh, fight ISIS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I had uh, – it was on the, I wrote, I, uh, the O'Reilly Factor. Um, I had Sean Rowe, a bunch of other people. Um, it's one of my old podcast shows. I got it if anybody wants to listen to it. it was me and Sean Rowe were talking about gathering up. And he was on the O'Reilly Factor, and we were gathering up veterans. Special ops guys, and uh, we were gonna go over to uh, Syria and uh, take on ISIS and rescue Christians that were getting their heads chopped off over there. And the Obama yep. administration shut us down. They shut us down flat out. They said, "You go over there, you'll be arrested. When you as soon as you, as soon as you come back and hit U.S. soil, you'll be arrested." So they so we had to shut it down. So they went, we were on the O'Reilly Factor and everything. So they remember Bill O'Reilly that show they had the O'Reilly Factor on Fox yeah. News. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you we were on ISIS, there. You know what ISIS stands for? You know what ISIS stands for? What that? What the meaning of ISIS is? Scumbag Habibs. <laughs> no, some kind of Israeli crap. Secret, I don't know. Hey, it's the Israeli secret intelligence service. Uh, yeah, but they're against Jews, though. They hate Jews. They it's hate not Christians about Jews. Jews. These people are just—they're—they're they're, the Mossad and them guys are just—they don't—they hate everybody. They hate everybody. Well, yeah, but they're kind of like Muslims. gone now. So they're, no, they're not. pretty much wiped out it's now. Shit. 
I'm yeah, going, they're going. No. Yeah, Trump pretty much wiped them all out. They're the ones running. Oh, you still got radicals show. over there. You still got radicals over yeah. there. Yeah, you always have radicals, but you know, but they're pretty. They're not organ. They don't have like 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 they had back in the early 2000s and mid and 2007, 2008, where where they had the strength and numbers that they had. I mean, they don't have. Hey, that would anymore. you want to go over to? Would you want to go over to Afghanistan today after Biden left over eighty billion dollars worth of equipment for him? No, I would not. But anyway, let me read this right. quick article about uh, here. Uh, operation Red Wings was a combined joint military operation conducted in the uh, uh, Peck uh, district of Kanar uh, province of Afghanistan. It has become known for the heavy loss suffered for U.S. Uh, Navy SEALs on June 28, 2005. The four-man SEAL team was sent on a reconnaissance mission to locate uh, an HVT, high-valuable target, that's a parenthesis, at the unforgiving altitude of approximately 10,000 feet. Um, uh, deep behind enemy lines, a very committed four-man uh, SEAL team had a vital task. They were after a Hamad Shah, a cruel insurgent in his mid-30s who grew up in the uh, same mountains. He was also known as Mohammed Ishmael Gorilla Group. To locals as the Mountain Tigers. They had connections with the, with the Taliban and other militant groups close to the Pakistani border. Hamad Shah was known to be the HVT behind numerous attacks on uh, American forces, although there were other HVTs with more blood on their hands and considered to be bigger fish. He was a major HVT for Operation uh, Red Wings. And uh, basic details, a four-man uh, recon element comprised of Lieutenant Murphy, HM1, Marcus Luttrell, STG2, uh, Matthew G. Axel, and GM2, Danny Dietz. I knew Danny Dietz, actually. I didn't know Axel. I knew who Danny Dietz was. Was inserted uh, uh, via uh, fast rope at approximately uh, 2717 uh, uh, to conduct a sensitive recon SR mission. Okay, so um, let me see here. Uh, under the assumed name, Mohammed Ishmael Shah led a, a guerrilla group known to locals as the Mountain Tigers, aligned with the Taliban and other militant groups close to the Pakistani border. The SEAL mission was compromised when the local nationals spotted the team. Okay, this is the truth by what happened. They were, uh, the comps were, were, were uh, uh, compromised at the time, and they were going to break down because they had to rendezvous in uh, 12 hours. So they broke down uh, communications and uh, all spread out. And they usually go in about a 15-yard uh, diag- uh, up and down diagonal uh, way, okay, no matter how many men you have there. They only have four. So you figure you got one guy, and then you go up. Like, it's like picture an M or a W. So that's how they were stationed uh, sitting on the mountain. What happened was these goat herders were coming and walking their goats, and they tripped over the foot of uh, Marcus Luttrell. And when he tripped over the foot, the, 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 the ground underneath Marcus gave way, and they fell down the side of the mountain, like about 15 yards. And then, so, the, so they grabbed the kid and, and the uh, other guy. There was only two. In the movie, it picked three. There was only two. And they were going to kill the kid and uh, kill the old man that was with, with him. But they could, they, you know, they had a talk Should've amongst themselves. Him. They were like, we can't do this. No, you can't do that. You, they, you know, that's that's not the right thing to do. So anyway, they were gonna, they were gonna. What I would have done if I was lieutenant and I was in charge, I would have said, let's bring him with us. They compromised the mission, yeah. bring him with us. Well, they decided to cut him loose, and they cut him yeah, loose. That's well, what they the, did wrong. Some of the bitches yeah. ran down the mountain so fast 
and they did the hockey. Screaming. They can't, you know, the, the hockey's, you know, they're, they're fast on those mountains. They walk around with sandals and crap. Well, hell yeah. But anyway, they went, yeah, well, there's about two to three hundred of them down there, and they got up that mountain mm-hmm. fast, and that was it. It was a firefight, you know? So, yeah. but uh, the fierce movie, firefight erupted between, hang on, a fierce firefight interrupted between the four seals and a much larger enemy force of more than, they say, more than 50. That's not true. It's like 250. 50 anti-coalition insurgents. The enemy had the SEALs outnumbered. They also had terrain advantage. They launched a well-organized three-sided attack on the SEALs, which they did do. They surrounded them. The firefight continued relentlessly as the overwhelming insurgents forced the SEALs deeper into the ravine. Trying to reach safety, the four men, now each wounded, began bounding down the mountain's steep sides, making leaps of 20 to 30 feet. Approximately 45 minutes into the fight, pinned down or overwhelming force, Danny D, communications petty officer, sought an open air to place a distress call but back to the uh, base. But before he could, he was shot in the hand. Uh, the blast shattering his thumb, uh, uh, despite the intensity of the firefight, suffering a great gunshot wounds. Himself, team leader Michael Murphy is credited with risking his own life to save the lives of his teammates. Murphy intent on making contact with headquarters, but realizing that this would be impossible in the extreme terrain, where they were fighting uh, un, uh, unhesitantly and with complete disregard for his own life, moved into the open where he could make and gain better position to transmit a call to help for his men, he was, and where he was also killed <coughs> and shot. Um, and, and, and nobody ever found his body, by the way, either. So uh, they got, uh, you know, it, it's just crazy, man. And then, well, anyway, let's get to that rescue attempt. In an MH Tanakh helicopter with eight additional steels, Lies. That's not true. There were 16 on the chopper field and, and eight Army night stalkers. Lies. Eight uh, night stalkers were on the other chopper uh, aboard, led by Lieutenant Commander Eric Christensen, which he died, was sent as a part of an extraction mission to pull out the four uh, battled Navy SEALs. The Chinook was escorted by heavily armored armor attack helicopters. No, lies. They were not escorted by any, any uh, Army attack helicopters. Another lie. Entering a hot combat zone, attack helicopters are usually initially to neutralize the enemy and make it safer for the light armored personnel transport helicopters to insert. The attack helicopters heavyweight slowed in the formation advantage, prompting the MH to over outrun their armored escort. Listen to how they lie, man. This is one of these lies. I didn't even read this article. I can't believe it. They knew tremendous uh, risk of going into an active enemy uh, area in daylight. So what they're just saying is, is that they outran their backup. So they were careless by doing that. They outran their backup and got there first. That's what happened. No, their backup never backed them up. That's what happened. All right? So, <laughs> man, they lied. So, uh, anyway, they, they, the, they, it was hit by a uh, RPG, the uh, and uh, that was it. That was the end of them. So, if if eight, let's know what they're saying now. There were 16 SEALs killed that day, right? So, if there was eight right. and eight, uh, eight army on one and eight SEALs on one. Right? So, and there was eight seals yeah. on another and eight army on the other. And why did 16 seals die? Because only one chopper got hit and the other one got back. So how did the army guys survive and all the seals die? Would the eight jump over to the other helicopter when, before it got hit? I know, <laughs> but you were saying too that they're back. They said they outran their backup, but they, they were in the Chinook. They are not, they're not outrunning no. the Apache and the Chinook. 
What the? There was eight night. They're sense. saying they're saying the eight night hawks. Yeah, I know. There were sixteen seals that got killed that day. Sixteen. All right. So sixteen. Yeah. But they're saying eight night hawks and eight uh, seals were on one chopper, and eight seals and eight night hawks were on the other. That's not true because only one chopper went down and it killed sixteen seals. So sixteen seals must have been on it, not eight. Eight. You know what I mean? But you said they outran their backup, you know what I'm so I'm thinking their backup was the Apaches that were coming or were with them. How did they outrun those? They didn't outrun their damn backup. They didn't come. They were they were grounded. Right. You know, that's the only part Chinook, of the movie I was freaking Chinook. true when you said this is bullshit. A Chinook ain't going to outrun they a were, they, did, they did not want to blow that base up. They were only supposed to get reconnaissance pictures to see that that guy was there and that was it. If I were, if, you know what? He should have took the shot and killed the damn son of a bitch right at the top of the mountain. You yeah. know, right up, right yeah. from there and killed the son of a bitch. Damn, damn, Baby, damn, damn, damn If you ever seen son how of those bitches. people live in those mountains on those sides of those hills like that, oh my God! I mean, they they can scale those things like nothing. They're cavemen. They hate America. They hate Western values. <laughs> they hate us. They hate us. They Dude. hate us. You know. You know what though? And if, you Let know, and and feelings mutual. Exactly. Stay over there. Uh-huh. Mind your own business. Stay in your lane, and we'll stay over here. You don't want our shit. We surely don't want yours. You guys want hey, to eat? Hey, three two three. I'll bring you on three two three. Go ahead. Go ahead. Three two three. No, I just came back. I had to go get something to eat. <laughs> three two three. Yeah, I just came back. I had to go get something to eat. Oh, who's this? Joe. 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 Oh, Joe. Joe. Okay, I didn't recognize you while you were eating there. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, like that the might that there? muffle the sound a little bit. <laughs> well, you think I'm getting ready to play this? Hang on. Oh, I got this up right now. Let me play this real quick. Let me see if this will play. Hang on. They're just pinning each other against each other. I mean, it's just the same Listen thing. It's all nonsense. I mean, I play a, a thing on here about that, and it goes over that the Republican and Democratic Party. It's like three minutes long. I mean, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a scam. You have to go after the Federal Reserve, the money, and you have to abolish the Fed and the Fed. I mean, you have to first audit the Fed and find out where the money is and where it's gone and where all the gold has uh, been stolen and hijacked to. That's what you got to do. But uh, let me check the boards here. Go over here. Check for callers. Uh, get back over here. Scan scroll up and down. All right. First, I got uh, two callers here. So let me go with the private caller first. Private caller, you're unmuted. Private caller. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, you're off then. All right, 5009. Go ahead. You're on now. Go ahead. Hey, Joe Teddy. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? I thought I recognized the number. I just didn't I didn't know for sure. I got like three 509s that sometimes call in, but I, I now I know it's you. How you been doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I was just listening uh, to some of the stuff there um, that you were talking about, you know, from Tucker Carlson. And, you know, it's one of those things where people don't have to be the ghost of Stonewall Jackson to put two and two together. Um, It's just, uh, you know, a crazy world we're living in uh, with liberal policies, democratic policies. And I think he's right, though, uh, when he said uh, that stupid people uh, took control of this country. Uh, Don't believe me? Just look around. I mean, there's plenty of people driving in their cars, going to the store, going to the gas station with their windows up all by themselves wearing two masks on their face. If that's not a sign that you're stupid, I don't know what is. 
You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> Passing out while I like oxygen. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Too. Something. I mean, it's, it's, it's just yeah. moronic. <laughs> what can we do? What can we do? I know we, when we talked over there on the other platform, the NSM and whatnot, we say, you know, join the NSM and fight. I mean, but what, what can we really do out there also? I mean, what can people, the average, average everyday Joe Schmo out there, what can they do? I mean, voting these people out isn't going to work. I mean, we've been playing that now since right. the founding of this country, you know? What can we really Absolutely. do? Well, I, I think one of the things that, that – people should take a major consideration in, in two regards is one uh, our nation's tax system <clears throat> you know at the end of the year when people pay taxes and you get a tax return um, technically you shouldn't even get a return that's proof that the government has fucked you all year long yeah uh, so so that shouldn't be allowed to fly um, and then uh, the payroll tax that needs to be done away with uh, you know instead yeah. of working more and making less <clears throat> you should only be paying into Social Security and Medicaid Period, um, and even and even Social Security, that's debatable, and it's an unpopular subject for most. But realistically, just about every president and every elected body in this country historically has used Social Security funds to fund their own private war. Vietnam, you know, I I, I keep going, and they've never put the money back in, and that's why they're worrying. By 2035, Social Security will be tanked. There will be no more money. Period. Um, yeah, so I, heard, one I heard the same thing. It'll be there. It'll be completely depleted. And what happens? Right. I think they'll they'll print more money though and add more money to the to the uh, to the uh, the tank. I mean, you got to remember this the Federal Reserve prints the money. So what they do is, is they buy right. these bonds, these off the market, and what they do is they then dump it. They sell the bonds to the Treasury Department, you know, and then they float them on the market and adjust the interest rates. It's a money game. It's all mo- it's the money changers, sure. you know. It's racketeering and, 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 and they screw with the money. That's what it is. It's racketeering and extortion on a, on a government-sponsored level. And most people don't even realize that the Federal Reserve isn't even a part of the federal government in the first place. It's a private That's entity. Right. It, it's not regulated. Yeah. There's no oversight. There's no bar, bipartisan. Uh, there's nothing. Nothing to keep that in check, and that's where our deficit comes from. And, and a lot of these politicians, they can't seem to understand in real life, outside of politics, when you mismanage your funds – you either run the risk of bankruptcy and or foreclosure yeah. if you're paying a mortgage, or if you default on your monthly rent, you get evicted. Well, they, they don't understand that because they own everything. So with these policies that they implement, they don't feel it. Yeah. Well, this is what it says, though, Betty, real, real quick, though. It says the Federal Reserve conducts the nation's monetary policy by managing the level of short-term interest rates and influencing the availability and cost of credit in the economy. Monetary policy directly affects interest rates. It indirectly affects stock prices, wealth, and currency exchange rates. Yeah, sure. that, that's that's a, that's a, that's like a, me putting a uh, you know a mask on and just pretending to be something. You know, right? <laughs> you know, it's right. not real. Right. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And and I think another way to show you know both parties, Republican and Democrat, uh, that that the jig is up is just imagine. Now I don't think it'll ever happen, but just imagine. If you can encourage enough people on a national level, come elections, to not a single citizen casting a ballot. Well, they can't wow. remain in office because there's a term limit there. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can't do that. So it would be, well, look, this is what we want. And if we don't get it, then we're going to have empty seats all around. There you go. Yeah, but no, I don't think it'll happen. But it's a start, 
Right. It's a well, start, though, and I yeah. think the only people that would vote still are are your government dependents, i.e. minorities. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, then they'd vote all Democrat, all right across the board. Mm-hmm. What are the what are the mm-hmm. five uh, federal responsibilities? What are the five responsibilities of the Federal Reserve? I mean, I know it's got four or five. Uh, I know it's it's for the uh, uh, conducting monetary policy, obviously promoting financial stability. Obviously. I remember that one, uh, and then promoting right. consumer protection. Right you now, and we'll, that's but the problem is, is there's no consumer protection. Period, because yeah. proof of the yeah. inflation you see at the store in the gas pump. That's right. Exactly. Look, they monopolize. They create. They deflate and inflate the currency. They play the game. They they play us. We're like puppets. They're pulling the string. Hey, you know, I vote Republican. I vote Democrat. Hey, wait a second. There's one guy holding up puppets. You know, like Mm -hmm. like I play that thing. You know, shut up and go back to bed, America. Your government's in control. You know, (laughs) come on. That's how it is, and and it's sad that that most people you know can't. I uh, can't really figure that out for themselves. Like I've had conversations with friends and family um, about this very thing. And, you know, like, I, for example, my father, um, he's a Democrat, a.k.a. a communist. He just doesn't know he's a communist, uh, which that in itself is ironic. Um, and when it comes to me asking him, okay, well, Biden's been in office for 47 years, give me five positive things he's done. I mean, if he's done 47 years, you figure you can come up with more than five, right? Yeah. One a yeah. year. And he can't. Exactly. He can't Man. come up with anything. Wow. What's he say to that? Uh, well, he's like, well, you know, unlike Biden, you know, he doesn't have all these scandals like Trump did and, uh, you know, the Russia collusion. And I'm like, what collusion? That's been debunked. That's been completely well, what about the, debunked what about, by what three about the separate China investigations. Thing? Ukraine. Right. Same thing. Know? Same thing. <laughs> they, they don't you know? have an answer for that. And then when you press them, they like, oh, well, you know, i got to go do something. I can't talk about it no more. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> and it's ironic because people have to understand the Democratic Party of today is not your grandfather's Democratic Party of then. That's true. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, back then it was ran by the club. I mean, back 100 years ago, the Klan ran the dem- uh, Democratic Party. You know? Basically. I mean, they had, you know, pretty much. I mean, 1920s, what, the Klan had over, what, 20 million supporters, 600, 6 million members? You know, that was at the right. peak there, and then, then, of course, it faded away after the scandals in Indiana and whatnot. It, but, yep. And, and with the Democratic Party, the irony of it is, is even today in 2021, if you fast forward, right, the average person, if you say, hey, you know, the Democratic Party helped create and was run by the Ku Klux Klan, they say, oh, that's just right-wing propaganda. No, yes, it's actually that's true. legit. Yep. Yeah. No, they say it today, then, Eddie. They say it today. Right, <laughs> right. Absolutely. And then you say, well, hey – you know, well, what, what did the, uh, the Democratic Party do for minorities? Oh, well, the Democratic Party gave the Emancipation Proclamation Act. Eh, that's the Republicans. Well, so you got that yeah. one wrong, too, so that's two. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I got one thing, though, for you. I think, I think though, some of these people, these, these trolls over there, are probably going to try to come over to the NSM platform now, now that they got something to chomp on, you know, and they're going to come over there and try to agitate. Because I got, I got, like, Thirty emails sent about well about let's see what was it uh, about twenty five uh, not thirty about twenty five emails about or messages on Facebook talking junk and uh, about the show the other night and whatnot and you know and, and these are the trolls you know it's like yeah, go ahead go over there you know I mean do whatever you gotta do what 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 why are you bringing this up to me that's what I asked them you know but uh, I, I don't know what did you get any flack because of your call that night just be I mean because you're a straight up guy you'll tell me the truth regardless you don't care what anybody says did you get no, any I, I, I haven't gotten anything 
Good. Good. You know, I, I made I made my position clear on how I felt about it. And uh, you know, that that's just me. I'm I can speak for me. Um first that's of all, right. I don't I don't have any other person speak on my behalf. I speak for me. Um that's right. And and that's my thing. And if and if on our show on Tuesday, you know, because I can't speak for everybody else, um, but if people want to ask us, well, hey, you know, well, why isn't Joe uh, on your all's platform on Thursdays? Well, you know, just simply put, uh, we parted ways uh, due to creative differences and leave it at that. There you go. There you go. That's just but you're going to have agitators, though. Yeah, you're going to have some agitators. Well, sure, you sure. Know, like, that's everybody. You know, <laughs> but, you know, you, got, you know what? It makes for good podcasting anyway, in a way, you know? Get that's right. Controversy. And <laughs> controversy <laughs> generates listenership. That's right. That's right. I think you and I actually talked about that. Actually, we were going to do a, a show. Actually, where we we're going to try to that penny play, you know, play devil's advocate role because you know you're a strong-willed person. You believe in what you believe, and 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 we just have that go back and forth type of thing. Not argue, but sure. have a discussion where sometimes right. we disagree. Dialogue. Yes. Yes. Right. And that that would be, that would have been great, man. That would have been really great. You know. Right. I mean, I you think you just don't get that now and day. Um, with too many people, it's always this or that or, or something in between. You know, I, I, I'm not a bullshit kind of person. You know, I call it like it is, and I, I call a spade a spade. Um, you know, truth yeah. hurts. If you don't like it, tough luck. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the door hit you but in the ass on the way out, you know. <laughs> to the, uh, right, yeah, no shit. Um, then in regards to the UFO things, um, now this is where I'm going to play devil's advocate. Um, All right. Because I remember you saying, you know, you, you don't personally believe in UFOs and know people. That's not me saying I'm a UFO enthusiast and, yes, there's life in the universe. No, that's not me saying that. I uh, just want to make that clear. Um, <laughs> but you, you can't really say from a, from a biblical standpoint, well, I accept it as this, but then from an unexplained partial scientific aspect, dismiss it. Because the church did that to um, a certain group historically – and because they tried to put a scientific explanation to, quote, acts of God, uh, they were hunted down and murdered. What, what group was – educate me on that. What, what, give, bring me back yeah, a little bit of history. What was this? There were several groups that happened. Sure, sure. Yeah, there, there was several. Uh, one of the prominent ones, and a lot of people, when I say this, are like, oh, here we go with this one. No conspiracy theories intended. Uh, but, for example, the Illuminati, for example. Um, a group of scientists scholars, philosophers, trying to put explanations to unexplained events. And back then, to go against the church was to go against God. And if you did so, well, you were rescued, found guilty by a kangaroo court, and you were executed. And that's how the church dealt with dissension, or, or treason, as they called it. Yeah. Well, the Bible addresses it, though. It does talk about it, but I just don't think that I would have to disagree with it. On the pastor's day, like, for instance, Isaiah 45, 12, uh, it says, I have made the earth and created a man upon it. I even, uh, right. I even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts I have commanded. And then it goes on to say, uh, they came from a far country, from the end of heaven, uh, even the Lord, and the weapons of his ignorance. Now, listen up. Listen to this now. In about a couple minutes now, I'm going to have an asshole call in. You guys are going to love this. This guy's a real, complete asshole, racist scumbag. Watch. You're going to love this. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I, I totally understand you there. But the thing is, is if, and, and, and that's why I'm saying if, and it's a big fucking if, if there is life outside of this planet, outside of this solar system, and it comes here, like you said, it debunks God 100%. 
Because then sure the does. whole theory of life originating here and not anywhere else, well, that's a difficult re- reality to swallow. That's a hard pill to take. Yeah, I wouldn't so say. what happens is uh, we debunk God. We, hang on, we debunk God, right? The rapture happens. Let's just say it's the rapture. Right. The UFO, the aliens say we we took them, or or the government comes out and then they you know do what their programming does. Hey, the aliens took these people. You know, don't believe right. in God, because you know what happens. Now this is going to get controversial sure, here now, sure. but you know what happens is that the Antichrist comes goes over into the temple over there in Jerusalem and and right. uh, builds it. You know, has his idol there, it's a statue, the uh, abomination idol there, and it speaks. He makes right. it speak. So what happens is the Red Army comes down from the north. The Antichrist intervenes, but it's really God that intervenes and stops it, the, the, uh, stops the army, and the Antichrist takes credit for it. And everybody loves right. him. Yay! You know, and, he, yep. yeah, he and then everybody the gets the mark of the beast uh, yeah. in order to survive in society, purchase goods, work, live. And then once, once the final battle comes, they're all cast into the lake of fire uh, for eternity. Because the crazy thing is one, a thousand years in hell is the equivalent of one earth day. Is from at least from what the Bible says. That's true. Which That's is true. Crazy. You're right about. It. I never looked at it that from that damn standpoint. You're absolutely right. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, uh, I know wow. a little thing it's or two. It's not enough to say I'm a scholar, but I, I know a thing or two. Years of yeah. suffering hey, let me get. Let me. I just got someone else jumped on here. I think I recognize another. We'll go to eight three two. Go ahead. Eight three two. Can you hear me? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Uh This is good old Ryan down here in Texas with the steers and kids, as Joe likes to put it on his <laughs> show. But yet, he won't bring his covered ass red ass down here to face the steers and kids. So oh, man, come on now. About Texas. Oh, you don't want to brought up Texas. So now, I'm not a fucking passive, calm, relaxed individual like Eddie. That doesn't mean Eddie can't get aggressive. But he is, he tries to stay on the passive side so that way he doesn't lose his shit. And that's respectable and commendable. I, you know, hey, Eddie's a better person than I am. I don't deal in passivity. So, Joe, why yes. don't we get back to your show the other night? Here's now, a question you I have you want. That's what I said tonight. Sure, why not? Whatever you want so, to talk about. Let's try to keep this somewhat civil. I think that we can start this conversation off by agreeing that I think that you are nothing but a low-life parasitic rep. Okay, that's fine. So, at that point, I think that we can come to a consensus. So, okay, well, hang on, though, hang on, though. But then this way here, so the listeners know, I then, obviously, for stick up for myself, I believe you're a closed-minded, complete imbecile that is ignorant and doesn't know anything about facts. So now there you go. So now we can have this conversation. Sweet. So now individuals can use... You know, your opening statement, my opening statement, at the end, they can make their own conclusions on who seems to be more factually based within their statements than the other. Correct? Sounds good to me. Sweet. Awesome. I love it when it all works that way. You know what? While we're on this, let me go ahead and do the good old redneck thing, and let me grab me a beer while I do this. So I'm going to go ahead and get that open. First question I have for you while I'm cracking this nice, cold-ass Budweiser is this. You claim to be pro-white. You claim all of this other nonsense, and yet you have nigger commercials galore on your fucking podcast. And when I say nigger commercials, I'm talking about commercials promoting and encouraging those of the black community. 
that, that really, you know, you're lucky, you know, if I'd have heard any one of your podcasts prior to Thursday night or whatever fucking night that was, Friday night I think it was, Friday night, your own personal podcast, not NSM, your own personal, if I'd have heard that prior to finding out that you were an informant on Thursday, because I didn't know. I'm going to apologize to Jay because Jay put you on blast and nobody listened to him. Nobody heard him. We all took it as just the same old rhetoric that we hear. And then you turned around and highlighted it and led everybody to the Secret Informant's book. Well, you got the so, title now that, that that was given to me now by the publisher now. So, so it's not really, you know, so I wasn't a secret informant. I went to jail to do time. You know, so and well, then you I said that this is a book about you to go on here, look this book up. This book is about yeah. you. That was your it word. Sure so is. whenever I look up a book, as Eddie so eloquently put the other night, you know, when I look up a book and I see the overview and the overview in the first sentence says the secret life of a secret informant or whatever, however it was worded, but secret informant being the two main words in there. Um, at yeah. that point, that, that that tells a lot. Okay. So if I'm a police officer, right, and I'm work doing undercover work, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a scumbag in society. I'm no good. You you ain't gonna have come over for barbecues. I mean, uh, let me ask so you a question, is that what Joe. You're saying? Let, okay, okay. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Were you a police officer undercover doing your job? Yes or no? I was actually actually in line and working for them, so I was actually technically insured and was supposed to be paid, and that's why I sued them too. So yeah. Were you, you a I was, you I, I was not classified as a police officer. I was classified as something else. And Correct. I'm not going to say now, was, let me ask you this question. Disclosure agreements. Did the agreement of you providing information to law enforcement come after law enforcement had caught you up committing a criminal offense? This is okay. Let me clarify that now. I went to jail because I was caught with stolen computers. They wanted me to and rat. That's when they came. Tell them, hang on, let me finish. I, they wanted me to rat on where the computers came from, and I said no. And I took the time and went to jail. Okay. So then, where the? How did they come to you then later on and ask you to rat again? They and I don't care about them threatening time. your family and threatening you. I'm asking just how did they come? Oh, about they didn't care about the computers anymore. You. Trust me. They didn't care about the computers after about a year or two, so they were, they were after something else. And like I said, we were going after not the inmates. We were going after the judicial system itself and the setup and the, and the make of how they're going to punish people throughout the system today and how their drugs were being shipped in. And there were also hits, gang hits that I stopped too, so I did stop that, and I'm glad I did. Okay, and, 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 you know, to each their own and regardless of whether or not you're glad you stopped gang hits, because the question I would actually go to at that point, since you're so glad that you stopped gang hits, is I would like to look at the, uh, the future criminal history of those individuals since they weren't allowed to be executed. Since you well, you're going to play God. Yeah. How no man has the right to play God. Well, let me ask, you know, that's what I'm saying is, is, well, you play God by intervening and stopping nature from taking its course. No, I, no, I was preventing a, a, a law from being broken, murder, okay? And murder so, is a so, crime. So you if, believe... we, if we can't acknowledge that, you know, what kind of society do you want to live in? Would it kill or be killed? Okay. I mean, you know, okay, we're so you want to... Hold on a minute, Joe. So, so, so when an individual kills somebody unjustly, 
that wasn't part of God's plan? I I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I can't. I don't know what God has planned. To be honest with you, I guess I'll but find I mean, out when I get up there. Don't they say but, that uh, you know God, God, God planned? Then He put me there to stop it. I can use the same argument, you know. And is God so powerful that He can't make a rock too big that He can't pick but up? That's I mean, that's a silly it. argument, you know. I mean, come on. I don't know what that's God's plan was. See, <laughs> that's that's the problem with your thought process on this one is you're looking at it coming from the exception, and I'm looking at it coming from the rule. If the rule is you behave in this manner. And what transpires is what transpires, just like with any other situation. And you're looking at it as, oh, well, I can go in and change the situation, and yet I'm still not playing God. See, you change you the why? situation. You want to know why? You, know hey, you want to use the premise of that thinking? Hang on, I'm going to give you the reason why. Let me give you the reason why. Because why? I told the story the other night, I think, because a three-year-old girl was murdered in the crossfire of a gang shooting. And you know what? Maybe you're out there with your kids, Ron. And some gang member wants to pick off another gang member, and they don't hit. They, and they're bad, bad aimers. We know that. They're not good marksmen. So then they shoot your kid by accident. Wouldn't you want a Joe Gibson there that that he could have stopped that from happening? Well, first and foremost, and I get you know the hypothetical that you're trying to ascertain here, but ultimately. I would never allow my children or myself to be put into an no, environment in which we are safe in that regard. So gang shootings don't happen in my neighborhood. Is there well, where do you live? Amazon jungle? I mean, it actually happen anywhere, anytime. You know that. Come on. You know, I mean, I obviously in, it happens more in certain other places, but it can happen anywhere. Okay. Okay. Well, I live in Houston, Texas, and I'm telling you that in the community in which I live in, we don't have drive-bys. We don't have drug houses. We don't have dope fiends sitting on our corners. No, you're all drunk. You know, wow. You, you know, so I, I, mean, I understand that, I mean, you know, you don't have any crime North at all. North Carolina might have degenerated down to that, but Houston I think we're micro, we're micromanaging yeah. is a good topic. Say what? I think we're micromanaging the topic here. We're trying. You're playing. We're playing armchair quarterback. You know, and 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 really, okay. well, what happened happened 30 years ago is nothing's going to change today. It's not going to change okay, anything like, that happened yesterday okay. or not tomorrow, for that matter. What, whatever happens, sure. happens. So, so let's, let, you're absolutely right. So let's move on. Um, in regards to you believing that if you'd have kept your past a secret, all of this would have been fine and dandy with the NSM. And I don't speak for the NSM. I'm speaking for Ronald. I'm not speaking for anyone else. But I can tell you this, that I don't care if your past, if I'd have found out about it five weeks ago, five years from now. Regardless, I would have an issue with anybody coming out and acknowledging that they're an informant. At that point, I can trust nothing that you say or do because you have already shown the ability to go against your moral standards and values. And once you do so, at that point, you can't be trusted. And before you go to ask me the rhetoric of, well, who have you told on? Never once. Never once. I would rather have a bullet put between my eyes than I tell on anybody. I've had the police tell me, hey, look, tell us where you got the drugs from, and we'll let you go. No, bitch. Well, you said you did eight years in prison, Ron. What did you go to prison for? What did you go to prison prison for for eight years? I went to – because I couldn't keep my hands off of other people's shit. I was a thief. So you were a thief. <laughs> I was a so, low-down, well, piece of shit My thief. morals is that anyone who steals uh, and steals stuff, I'm going to have a problem with that because I can't, I don't know, if my stuff Good. can be trusted around you. Absolutely. So you should, you know, you so know therefore what? maybe you should Everybody be in the NSM should. now. So, now, you know, you know what I mean? So, so where does it stop? <laughs> where does, where it, does it stop? stop? Where it stops from is the fact that 
when you turn around and you're snitching on people, at that point you're costing people their life. Truly their life. When you're turning around and you're stealing something from them, if, if somebody was to steal something from me, if somebody was to come into my home and right into my home and they steal one of my laptops, one of my flat screen televisions, one of my radios, one of anything, you're justifying it? At that point, they're not trying to cause me my life. They're no, stealing they're piece stealing of from you. They're taking your yeah, stuff. Which makes them a piece of shit. Which makes them a piece of shit. Which sure makes them a piece of shit. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Sure. So we don't want pieces of shit in the NSM, right? We don't want guys that were pieces Different of shit. How do we know you're still not a thief? How do we know you're not taking the donations still. that the NSM's getting and stealing? Because my track How do we know? Well, first you know, of all, I don't see, have, we can, see, we can go, see, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. See, that's what I'm saying. See, I, I initially said we're going to have a rational conversation, and here you are wanting to be irrational. You sound like my ex-wife. No, it's not an irrational statement. Now, well, it is an irrational statement because you and everybody else involved with NSM knows that I have no associations or dealings with NSM's financials at all. So to sit up here okay. and try to act like somebody's doing something in that regard, you're silly. You're making yourself out to be so, so the flamboyant fuckboy Jewish type faggot. Hang on, no, hang on. You can't move up the ranks, Ron? You couldn't move up the ranks, say, 10 years from now? Maybe you'll be the commander. Who knows? You know, and then it comes why out that he's a thief. Why? See, see, and that's just it. See, when you have somebody that is leading your people as well as what Bert Colucci leads his people, there's no need of ever, ever looking for a next in line. I'll worry about a next in line for Bert when that man is 85 years old. Until then, I don't think about next in line. I think about which, which next one of our enemies. I was using hypotheticals. I was using hypotheticals. See, I wasn't no, trying to you're replace not using hypotheticals. You. You're not using right, hypotheticals. I was saying, what you're is? using out-of-the-world leftist bullshit. That's well, what that's you're, what you're using. doing, too, because you're, stating, you're bringing something up from 30 years ago, and I'm not an informant because you said you are an informant. No, I'm not. Okay, I was not an informant see, back then. No, I'm not. I'm not informing on nobody right see, now. See, that's just it. See, people fail and to I understand. I have it for 30 stuff. years. Okay. You know, I was certain just behaviors 19 years that, old. Listen, there's certain behaviors that if you commit throughout life that are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can atone. That's the word I'm looking for. There are certain things that are atonable throughout life. There are certain things that are not atonable throughout life. And in each religion, each ideology, each belief, each whatever in the hell one wants to call it, those things can vary and differ. And the one thing that I know for a fact is there's a few things within my own personal beliefs and ideology that are not atonable for. You cannot that's ever you as an individual, though. You cannot yeah, you atone can't. for being a race traitor. Uh, that's not you a race can't. traitor. That's not a race, race traitor. traitor. Well, you can call it that if you want. I mean, yeah, yeah. And then you can call me a, mo- a ripper and you can call me all Nobody's, other names. But, it, but it's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't you're matter. I'm not a race traitor because I've never bred you're outside my yapping. race. You're just huh? yapping. Nobody called you a fucking race traitor. You stupid Jewish like fucking you rat. That's what no, it said, No, you asshole. shut your fucking snitch hole up. You'd so hear what the fuck I'm saying. Have the fucking conversation like you said and stop being a heretic. Okay, well, stu- listen, you stupid fucking snitch nigger. Why don't you there hear what the fuck I'm saying? Wow, mouth. that was intelligent. That was intelligent. The words okay, coming out of my normalization mouth here. Take a sip of the beer. Things. Take a sip of the beer and calm down. Nobody gives a fuck. I've done walked away from that because you've done irritated me because of you, your Jewish <laughs> lies. When it's all Jewish said and done, there are certain things that are not 
attend. Are you done talking yet, you fuck? Well, I don't You're rambling on. I mean, what's a Jewish lie? You're, like, throwing me off for a you. loop here. I mean, I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. You what's your point? Every, the point is there's atonable fences and unatonable fences. And ratting and race trading are two of the unatonable offenses. You cannot go off and rat on people. You cannot go off and race trade on individuals. And then think you can come back into the fucking movement like everything is good, fine, hunky-dory, dandy. Because it ain't. Those are things that are not allowed regardless. You do it once, you are always in. There is no coming back. Well, first of all, Ron, now can I answer the question? I was never a member of the NSM, nor was I really ever having any intention of joining. So what threat could I have possibly ever been to you? Well, I wasn't speaking as a member of NSM. I was speaking as a member of the National Socialist of white people. You don't have to be a part of NSM to still be a national socialist. You don't have to be 100% pro-white, 1,000% for your people, live, die, breathe, and walk this shit daily to be a national, to be NSM. You don't have to be. Oh, you can, oh, you only have to be part-time to be a part of it? You only got to be part-time? I mean, I don't get what your point is. I don't understand. I don't get what what your foundation is. You Jewish fucking snitch bitch. Uh, no, I'm listen, not Jewish. I can assure you of that. On, That's listen, one thing I am not listen. Jewish. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you got plenty of Jewish talk when you were in prison. I understand. There we go. You see what the you slanderous know, remarks, you see? And that, and that having a dialogue. Remarks. Uh, no, the slanderous remarks is you sucking tight dick in prison while you had some nigger trying to stick his pecker in your butthole. That's slanderous. Well, I don't, re- I don't recall reading that anywhere in the book, so where'd you get that information from? Are you just blowing it out your ass? Oh, that was, I mean, no, your that was from your publisher. Same thing. Hey, your publisher sent me an email last night. You know, just like all the emails you, you got about people talking shit about birth. <laughs> yeah, your publisher sent yeah. me an email. He did? What was that from, the FBI? Yeah, <laughs> the that was, that's who published your book. <laughs> I mean, that was your book. That's, that's, who, that's the exact individuals that would have firsthand knowledge of the things that you were doing, isn't it? Wouldn't that be the no, best actually, source no, of person the FBI, to go to? It was a special operations unit, so, but, yeah, but oh. that wasn't the FBI, so, yeah. Oh, the special uh, operations unit. Yeah, we, I, can't, I can't tell you because of disclosure agreements. I'm not going to risk getting arrested or having uh, charges brought against me to have a conversation with somebody who can't have attention span more than 10 seconds in a cuss word. Well, my next, attention span, my next attention span will definitely catch your attention because I'll let you know now. You know, you want to piss me off of you being arrested. You might have irritated me with all the other nonsense, but the part of you that actually got me to the point of where I'm now planning a trip to North Carolina because you told you me are? you would leave Great. the I love it. I love it. The fact that you up here on You're coming to North Carolina. When, when can I expect you? Stop talking. Stop talking, bitch. You know, you want to reference no, the asshole. When are you coming? As being... Be a man. You're the one that don't care about nothing. You're the tough guy of the world. You're the leader of everything. You don't care. You're going to stand up and fight everybody in the world and beat them up. Tell me when you're coming. I'm the leader of me. I'm the leader of everybody. you, Ron, the, right, the world according to Ron. Yeah, you won't answer that question, the world according to Ron, people like you would have been euthanized a long time ago. Yeah, I know. You, you select who lives or dies, huh? You're God, huh? I... Fuck, if that was nice, I wish I would. You know what? I'm better than your God. Your God you're is really? a oh, you're than God. Wow. Wow. Then your God. Great. No, no, no. I didn't say I was better than God. I said I'm better than your God. My God. Well, who's my God? God? Since you know everything. Your God. You know, that, that Jewish fuck that you pray to. That's blasphemy there. I'm way Jewish, better than that mother. Jewish effort that I pray to. The Jewish effort no, that I pray Jewish to. Fuck you are great. 
Yeah, no, come on, come on now. Have a conversation now. Instead of calling names, well, you see, what we've bothers already, you now? We've already bypassed conversation. We've already bypassed conversation. You yeah, just know why. You want to just sit up here and be derogatory towards the NSM. You want to be derogatory towards the members of the NSM. You want to be derogatory towards Adolf Hitler and all of this shit. At that point, we've done bypass conversation. Now we're oh, at was a that derogatory? Did you say he was oh, I play, I play an intro on my podcast show and the NSS platform promoting Adolf Hitler's uh, – the, the, uh, didn't I say the uh, – what was the name of the one there? The uh, greatest uh, – uh, what was the Great. name of it? Okay. Greatest story. Oh, come on, man. Now, so tell facts. Okay, okay, so the, okay, hold on a minute. Time out then. Time out then, Joe. Time out then, bitch. You rat-type motherfucker. Understand this one. Why Come on, is it on your last show that everybody can go and listen to right fucking now? And if I need to, you fucking take some of a bitch, I will go and get the exact fucking time. But why is it you go ahead and do that? Can you think that long? Show. Do you have that long of an attention span? Show, you turn around on your show. Stated, Ron, Ron, take it easy. Calm down. Hitler would probably in hell. That's he probably is. I don't know where he is. I said he was either in heaven or hell. I don't know. You yeah, I, that's what I did say. You are absolutely correct. So at this right. point, I how did the say that. Are you hearing the man? How in the fuck are you honoring the man? How in the fuck do you got anything to say about the man, you fucking Jewish type nigger? Fan? He was well, well. So we could spin it, Ron. I said he's either cast coming see, down from heaven bitch. or he's in the bowels of you hell. You're right. I did you say that, Ron. See, Big see, deal. See, listen to this type. Listen to this fucking Jewish type. You can't spin you. You talk about a motherfucker is boiling in the bottles of hell, and you're talking about, oh, well, we can spin that. Ron, you usually people that have this, like, this phobia about Jews are probably most likely Jews themselves. Yeah. So that's Ron, why. Right. You know, it's just like the Ripper thing you brought right. up. Right. 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 You've got a very strong phobia about that, and it worries me. Very much worried. Yeah, because all of you motherfuckers should die. You, all of you bitches have been a degenerate. No, no, it worries me that you got some upon hidden, our hidden ghost closet. for the last 80 fucking years. The people like you should have been abominated many years ago. We shouldn't be allowing you fucking people to have a platform to continue to erode the really? of these people. You're sitting here wow. trying to convince individuals that taking a constitutional stance is the way to go. And he's fucking entertaining you that a constitutional stance is the way to go. It's not. The constitution is you idiots. That, that little pee in your head is going to explode. Take it easy. Okay. <laughs> right. That pee in my head done pissed on your mouth. Oh, no. That one hurt. Oh. Okay, Ron. Anything else? I got another caller here who maybe wants to talk. Should I bring him on, Ron? The world yeah, according no, to Ron? I do got one more motherfucking thing to say real quick. You want to sit there and talk to Sarge about the fact that people call him niggers and all this other shit behind his back and every fucking thing else, and ain't nobody calling fucking Sarge a nigger. First off, I never said if Sarge don't back. like it, he can take an issue up with me. Sarge is a nigger in my book. He was born that way. He will die that way. There's nothing a man can fucking well, do about it. I'm sure Sarge is not worried about you, Ron. I'm sure, but I can't speak for him. Like you. You're just a Ron, why are you speaking for all these other people? Just speak for yourself. But you can't because you're, 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 you're hiding in the closet, Ron. I'll pray for you, though. I will pray for you. Yeah. Pray, I don't... I will. Give me your ass. I will pray That's what I want you to pray. Pray your address you want me to pray? motherfucker. You, you want, 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 want my address? Why? What are you going to do with my address? Oh, well, yeah, let me know when you're coming, Ron. I don't call in fucking blog. I don't call in secretive. I don't hide who the fuck I am. You got my address. Well, I asked you 19 times when you're coming and you won't answer. 
Are you going to sneak up behind me like the Latin kings or the other people that tried to how kill me? How the fuck am I going to tell you what time I'll be there if I don't even know how the fuck far it is? What's well, you're the one that made the statement you were coming, Ron, not me. Yeah, I didn't you invite you. You made the statement. Because of you. Oh, Ronnie. I'm willing to make it. Ronnie, trip. you're putting yourself, you're, you're putting your foot in your mouth. You're safe before you speak. Only thing that you need to worry about is what you're going to call whenever I get a hold of your ass. What am I going to call? I'm not going to call nothing or nobody, Ron, because you're never going to get a hold Good. of me. Okay? Just go back in your right, closet because you're a coward and come bitch. out when it's time to be angry. you're a coward, time, okay? Jewish, tight, loving bitch. I'm a coward. I'm a coward. Oh, you're definitely <laughs> a coward. That's a guarantee. Well, I got another caller that may want to comment on this, so we'll just bring him on. And uh, I know you don't. You don't care about much. Go ahead there, uh, Connecticut. Oh, my God. I know people from down there that won't lift a spoon to repot a flower in, in, in a flower pot. But you give them a half a dozen beers, and they'll shovel 20 yards of soil for you tomorrow. Yeah, down lit. where, motherfucker? <laughs> down where? If, Say, if you're down, the there, of, down where, bitch? kind of person that's going to represent me or, or that is on my side, God Nobody help us. Nobody wants to represent fuckboys like you. People like you are the reason why the white race is in the position it's in now. People like you are the ones that have continued to to degrade our race down into believing that homosexuality is okay, to believe that race mixing is okay, and that white pride is a bad thing to have. You and your people are the reason our people are in the plight this is today. It's not because of the Nazis. It's not because of the racists. It's not because of the white supremacists. It's because guy. of you fucking punchy-ass coward-ass punk boy. He's going to explode. He's little drowning little again in two feet of water, he's, punching he's, up he's, at the sky. He's just beyond help, that's all. I know. Yeah, I know. You're in fucking Connecticut up there sucking uh, Boston dick. Shut your fucking faggot ass up, bitch. That's God help us all if he's on our side. Yeah, you're going to need yeah. your Jewish God fucking with me, boy, because I'll provide you the fucking devil himself. After wow. six beers, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, 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 well, I don't know if he can handle six beers. I mean, how much you weigh, Ron? 120 pounds? I mean, what, what, I, mean I, I don't know. You're, look the, at you the, you're the retard that wanted to refer to me as a bull in a china shop, you fucking yeah, moron. Yeah. Not only are you, you are, a well, fucking rat, but you're mouth. a shitty-ass well, rat because you, you know? try to tell on people, and you can't oh, even Ron, provide accurate fucking information. Ron. Ron, we we're supposed to have a conversation, and you just, you resort to just calling Don't worry, nigger, it's all right. Hey, don't worry. Them niggers are going to come for your asses, too. You constitutionalists that think that, oh, we're going to, we're going to fix this. The 14th Everybody's out to get me, huh, Ron? Should I check in the PC, Ron? Should I check in the PC? PC. Like you were in Michigan? Yeah, you were in protective custody, weren't you, Ron? Right. Sure. Hey, my my record's open. My record's <laughs> open and there for the world to see. It's not open. What I want to know is, is when are you going to check into the noose out there in the front yard? The noose in the front yard? Woo! Whoa! So you're hanging nooses up in my yard? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm hoping that you'll go hang yourself in one. Oh, okay. Okay, you going to hold it for me? Well, I mean, if you really need so. Oh, okay. I, hey, I'm always willing to help. Okay, good, good. So you're willing, so oh, you okay, want to help good. participate in me hanging myself? That's what you're saying. Well, that Ron, just hey. don't, you know, just you need to really keep Sounds your mouth shut. Right. You're just really talking stupid. Uh, you know. So then you go on and you, you know, a mission of not being of the same kind. So you admit to not being a white supremacist. You admit to not being a white nationalist. You admit to not being out for what is best. For I the never white was a member of the NSM, Ron. 
That's a clear crime. You know. Hold on, calm hold down. On. You are only out for capitalism and globalism. Two of which I am. Are so everything I talked about, I was really for. The huh? Jewish influence throughout Didn't you the say United you really States. liked me at one time too? Didn't you say that? You said, "Yeah, I really, I don't really know you too well, but I like what you say and everything. You know, I like your yeah, show." I think you did say that. But you don't know what way yeah, you're coming from. I found out the truth. You know, people can hide themselves. They can hoodwink individuals and make people believe that they are. Boy, so I hope you're not in charge of security anywhere, vetting people. Comes out. The truth always. It sure does, Ron. It sure does. And And that's why I spoke the truth. Because I wasn't trying to hide anything from anybody. You know? Yeah. Really? You weren't trying to hide the fact that you were a rat, but yet you never told anybody. Uh, Ron... That's why I did the show. I mean, you know, when, I mean, I can't pick the day that, according to Ron, okay. when he thought it would have been profitable for me to do it, but I decided to do it at that time because the time was right, okay? Because, you know, we all have to live lives. You know, I have to work for a living. I don't know what you do for a living except yell at people, so I don't know. Talk you know, your but, uh, right. uh, my, no, my mother. Oh, wow. Oh, that would hurt too. Oh, man. I mean, come on. You, you insult that's, everybody hey, hey, else. That's the same thing she said, dude. Same thing. Yeah. I knew it's all with my What so. next? What next? Who else are you going to insult, Ron? So, uh, let's see. Uh, what else do I want to bitch at you about tonight? Yeah, oh, sure. The fact that you decided that you were going to talk on your last podcast about some fucking pedophile faggot that had microchips and fucking child apart. Yeah, that would be a good story. Yeah, you really do listen to my show. Man. You know what I thought was funny about that whole fucking thing? Was the fact yeah, that what? you had the audacity to call your fucking callers. Pervert listeners. The people that were... Yeah, I do got a lot of them. Well, I, Bert knows that. Everybody knows that. I got a lot of these transvestites that call in. What do you got on there right now? 12, 14, 16? That's not a lot of callers, bitch. Actually, I only got about eight on here now. Well, anybody knows, Ron, Blog Talk Radio, you should get about 15, 20. That's a pretty flat, a full board, you know? Sure. Oh, I mean, come okay. on. We're dissecting this, going back and forth, back and forth. Now, let's really get the truth out there. What are you really upset about? How do you, com- Let me help how you. Do you compare yourself to the police? How do you compare yourself being a rat? How do you compare yourself being a snitch, rat, Jewish, dick-sucking, nigger-loving faggot? Read, read the, the police. transcripts. That's what they said, not me. You, know, you I mean, I just repeated it. You weren't a cop. You weren't working your job. You weren't undercover as a law enforcement I officer. I just uphold the Constitution against all You were a paid yes, snitch. Yep. You're a paid yep. snitch. Yep. I guarantee paid. you that when it comes down to filing well, your W-2, Ron, call there's not the a federal place on that for Call the U.S. Attorney's Office and tell them change the job uh, title to that. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll make them change the job title. I don't know, you know, but that's not what I was called. Um, I've never heard of them referring to any paid informants as law enforcement. How the fuck would you know? Well, I wasn't being paid just to inform, okay? So there was other things going on, like I said. So, you know, but what, why does this, I mean, Ron, it's 30 years ago, right? I mean, what did you do 30 years ago? Can you even remember? I mean, what's the Yeah, thing 30 you? years ago, I was nine, motherfucker. I was still jacking off in my mama's bathroom, bitch. And, and probably with playing with the dogs and the goats in the backyard, too, down in Texas, right? You know, I mean, but... Well, uh, first off, you, see, see, that's just it. You stupid son of a bitch. Let me guess. I live in, you know, I was born and raised in Texas. I just decided to go to Michigan and commit some crimes and go to jail for eight years, right? Probably. Probably. See, and that's just it. That's the difference between... No, a no you sound like someone who was probably a drug addict. 
or you know, so you probably went up there to Detroit or something, and probably gave all your money to the, uh, you know, the N word there. Yeah, you're done. Because when it's all said and done with, you're going off of assumptions, feelings, and your own personal wants. Where national socialists, we go off of facts and, and truths. You do. You you're calling me a Jew. Where are you getting your facts from? Your I mean, behavior, come on, man. Listen, you ain't got to be a Jewish blood to be a fucking dyke. You want to go off and live and, lo and love the Jew, the you are like a fucking kike. Donald you know Trump ain't no fucking word, Jew kike? by blood, but he's a fucking kike by actions. Such anger, Ron. Such anger. And a kike is any fucking cocksucker that wants to be either a Do Jew you love anybody, or Ron, a in the Jew world? Do you love anybody? Do you love anybody yeah, but yourself? Yeah, huh? I love every white man and woman and child that stands up daily and pronounces their love for their people and continues to make sure... You just lied to everybody, Ron. You just lied to everybody. You just lied. You just lied. That's, That's not true. That's what a degenerate will always say. A degenerate will always try to bring everybody else down to their level. That's exactly, That's exactly what, you what you're doing. Too. That's what you are then. Okay. A degenerate. Okay. All right, thank sure. you. Finally, okay. I get the truth out of you. I can be all of that. I can be all Ron, right, but when it's Ron. all said and done with, you're still like down. nothing more than a kite-loving, nigger-dick-sucking faggot. Okay. I mean, okay, Ron. Do you, but my so question now was, that we've do you love anybody? And you, and you just lied to everybody. But, you know, go ahead. I love my own. You don't love me. <laughs> what do you do for you a living, Ron? Don't mind me asking. I mean, I, I'm such a, you know, I, I probably should know because opinion, I'm such a paid informant. You know, you would rather have it to where, you know, everybody can just continue to parasite themselves off of everybody else just to make a buck. And all of I'm this glad you know what I believe in. You know, as your opening intro says, you know, our founding fathers failed us when they admitted that, you know, everybody is created equal in the eyes of God. No, they weren't. Bitch, everybody was created equal in the eyes of a white man. Houston, Texas. Oh, Ron, Ron. Do you really, do you talk like that at the dinner table at night in front of your family? Absolutely. My kids sat here and listened and laughed at you. The other night, the whole time I ripped into your rat-ass, faggot-ass. My nine-year-old son you, knows Ron. you're a bitch. Shame First thing come you. out of my nine-year-old son is, Dad, is he really somebody that you associate with? No, son, he's a rat bitch. Yeah, I can tell. You, you lied to your own child? Because you do associate with me, because you did. Well, you did. You lied to your own child. What? You have any honor at all. Right. Oh, so you was lying? Is that it? You know, he heard what you had to say, and he knew that... My nine-year-old could tell you were lying. My nine-year-old. Well, I'll tell you what, though. And you want to sit up here and play like everybody else is a liar, everybody else is a fabricator, nobody else can live and honor the truth, but the good old great Joe Gibson? You narcissistic Jewish kite-loving faggot bitch. There's another type you're of not now. Narcissist. You're worthless. <laughs> worthless now. You're worthless. Everything well, you do is that defining to everyone what else. Is the man, only how do you person that you are interested in trying to do anything beneficial for is yourself. You prove that. If you will turn on everybody for once, you'll turn on everybody every time. And just like this shit transpired the other day with NSM, the first thing you did before anybody from NSM even jumped on there and ripped into your fucking snitch ass, you decided you was already going to turn code on NSM, but you were still going to try to suck Bert's dick. <laughs> the whole show, I don't you think Bert would be happy day. with you saying you that. Sure now that now, you're, you're, knocking, now you're knocking your own commander. Jeez. Why? Because you're Come sucking on, up man. to him? You're trying to kiss his ass? 
That ain't well, you're the one. Like you're you're, you're calling him a homosexual right now. You're calling him a that homosexual. Everyone, shut the fuck up. See, you're being You're stupid. calling him a that homosexual. Everyone. That well, first a little bigger than I am, and I sure as heck could. I probably, I would never be able to force him to suck his, you know what? So you're saying he let me suck his penis? Yes, right on, right on. Sure, whatever the fuck you want to say, you stupid. Shame on you. Run, man. You're just self-destructive. Everybody should be hearing this. Everybody who listen to this. What do you want? A quarter of a year and you're already that Oh, you don't want me to talk. You don't want me to talk. That's what it is. You want to over-talk so that way nobody else hears the fact that you still have nothing but the utmost love, respect, and desire to be associated with our commander, the great Bertolucci. I think you he's a good can't guy. Walk, yes, you I can't do. walk away from that because you know how powerful that man is. And so you want to continue to suck up. No, that's not why I respect understand. him. I respect him because of his character. Yeah? That ain't what the fuck you were saying the other night? What did I say the other night? I don't think so. I think anyone, for the record, knows how I stand. I put okay. that out there very quickly. They can all go back but and listen you, to you. But because it's the world that. according to Ron. You know? Sure, it's the world Ron. according to Ron. That's the way you want it yeah. to be, faggot. Well, I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, if you haven't, I mean, if anybody disagrees with you, you go off and start calling them every freaking name in the book, and you label them and categorize them. And, and I, mean, I, I label you know, what how, you are. How do you I have any conversations with anybody? Are. I call you what you are. If you don't like being called what you are, quit being what you are. And sometimes, unfortunately, when you are what, what you, you are, like you can't be, Ron. Stop what would you like me to be? You can't stop. I'd like you to be dead. Dead? Oh, but I can't man, get that. Ron. Stop, stop. I can't get that. I mean, can you oblige me, please, here, right now, on live broad, broad talk? Oblige me, motherfucker. Oblige you want me. To Give hurt me myself? what I want since it's up in the world of Ron. Yeah, no, I'm not going to yeah, hurt myself, Ron. I I'm didn't hurt myself. So. Ron, really, you need to really take a deep breath and to look in the mirror if you can and just say, man, what have I become I in my really... life? Oh, I've got a lot of people like way more than you. Ron, way I'll more than you. you I, mean, is... I will pray for you. Here's another funny thing. And I thing. forgive you. I forgive you. Don't worry. I'm going to press charges on you. On I'm not going to make up anything Don't worry. I will not do that. One of the things that really blew my mind on Friday night was how in the hell are you running for the office? How yep. in the fuck are you running for public office, and yet yep. you have a restraining order, a personal protection order against you for a woman within the last, and how do you say, you know, a little over a year, so let's say the last 13 months. I'm sorry, who in the fuck would vote for an individual who is out intimidating, abusing, or harassing women? Well, first of all, I haven't been found guilty of anything, Ron. You see, we live in a, uh, America. I don't need we you don't found guilty. The court signed you guilty. So therefore, and I still have a, a chance here to PPO I know this much. Try to get a PPO on it. They ain't going to give you one. So she had to have some valid reasons to get it. They, they no, Ron, that's that not true. Oh, she requested They gave not it. Not true, Ron. Oh, that's, that's true. a great Anybody joke. Anybody can walk into a magistrate in North Carolina and take out a warrant for yeah. anybody for any reason, and then that's how it works down here. It's a messed up system. Oh, sure, I know. I know. Every, you know, every you wouldn't know anything about that because you're too busy flapping that big mouth of yours and you don't listen to me. Everywhere you go, it's a messed up system, though. That's just it. You know, in your world, it's everybody else's problems, not a joke. I mean, a caller you know, like called in, Ronnie, and it just tore him apart, man, without yeah, even so listening to him. You know, you never I mean, once even left the state of North Carolina, and yet you lied to Bert, you lied to whoever else you talked to. I lied to Bert. How did I lie to Bert? How did I lie to him? Are you really wanting me and everyone else to believe 
that they let you fly into Dallas, tell you at that point they don't want to go with the flight Why is it so important to you? Why is it so important? Because it proves that you're a liar. It proves. It proves nothing. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. It proves nothing. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. Let me put the question out there, and then I will let your very next caller tell me if that's not fucking suspicious as all shit. Okay. And the, the point is, if I'm in North Carolina and I fly to Dallas, Texas, on my way to Phoenix, Arizona, I get to Dallas, I land in Dallas, I go to board my second flight, my transition over flight, whatever the fuck they call it. I go to transition over into my next flight. At that point, they tell me, well, you know, Mr. Gibson, Mr. Murray, Mr. McGuire, whoever, no, you're on a no-fly list. You can't fly to Phoenix. But you know what? Because you're on a no-fly list and we don't want to make you have to pay to drive yourself all the way back home, we're going to let you fly back to North Carolina. Uh-huh. Now, that don't make no goddamn well, sense. Now, Ron, can I, now listen, now listen, we're having a good dialogue here. Now, Ron, what if I could provide you with evidence evidence that I drove not fly. How about that? Because you're claiming Why I flew back from Dallas, Dallas, North Carolina. What if I could prove evidence of it? That what you, would, that what would I get from back? you? What would I get? I mean, I'm just saying hypoth- I don't want money or anything. I'm just saying, like, just a, you know, a, 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 an apology maybe, or a, maybe you stand on your head. I don't know. Whatever it may be. What could I get? What could the, what could the stakes be here? Because I could prove Ultimately, it. Ultimately, well, and that's just it. You know, I'm going off of what you said, and I can pull up the podcast where you have said that you flew back from Dallas to North Carolina. Never so said that. You nope, did never said that. Right? Oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. No, I did and not. I can get Eddie on here. I can get Bird on here. I can get Jay on here. We have no. Nope. Well, I can't say I don't want to go too far. Um, but I know multiple people have heard you say that comment on Blog Talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next very show that I do, I can't get the audios now, but I'm going to prove to you that you're 100% full of shit and that you really are okay. a heretic because you just make stuff so up as you go along. Me, why don't you tell me when your next show is and I'll have you the proof that shows you are. Oh, I can't wait to hear this, but um, why don't we don't even have to go to shows? How don't you just ask your commander? Okay. How about we go to shows? No, because I, I, I have no problem with it. I'd rather go and just go ahead and give you the audio. Why, you don't believe your own commander? You don't have any trust, huh? That's I, right, you don't believe anybody. I would rather have all of your listeners hear it out of your own mouth than for them to hear it from someone else. Wait, but Ron, really it's a mute point anyway because nobody really gives a crap. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh. They really don't care if I drove oh. or I flew or what. Well, you know, but the point being, you're, you're trying to prove me in a lie. You're, you're, we were talking about 30 years ago, and now you're all the way up to uh, you know, 2021 because so, you can't find anything back then. So now you're up to now hey, and here well, and now. So, Ron, well, I think, I think really you're not a bad guy. Really care about end. Liars, At the end of it all, I don't think you're a bad guy. Exactly I think you're just right. like driven I don't care what you I think you're a fucking Jewish, cock-sucking, dick-loving, nigger-loving faggot. But when it's all said and done, if individuals have no concern anymore with who's lying, who's telling the truth, who's being factual, who's being dishonest, then that is the epitome of the fact that our race is completely 100% in its death throes. And at that point, what the fuck is the fight for? I, I, I don't know, Ron. Well, you, maybe you can answer that. Well, you're you know telling everything. me that no one cares. You're telling me no one cares about what the truth is. No one cares about what the facts are. No one cares about who's being dishonest and, and 
Most Everything people don't anymore. I, I've talked about this so many times. It's, it's not even. It, it's getting a little bit out of control, Ron. That this conversation. You know I mean, you just really problem. can you have? That's can you talk problem. about something that that, that is very factual for once? No, I mean, can we just have a dialogue like you originally wanted? I mean, I had this guy from Connecticut on there, and you just tore him apart, man. I don't want to mute you, Ron, because I don't like doing that. Something other than you. That's pure and simple. That's all you want. Go ahead, Ron. I'll give you the platform. Go ahead, Ron. You want to run the platform? Go right ahead. Just speak. Absolutely. I want to run this platform. And so thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for That's the only thing you've ever run in your life, probably. But go ahead. Um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us tonight. We are going to be broadcasting by Ronald down here in Texas. And we are going to spend the evening talking about niggers, Jews, kikes, and snitches. And so, with that being said, I would love to be able to, as soon as I get the audio pulled up, I will definitely have some audio here to provide everyone. Uh, and that will be our opening intro. Um, but until then, one thing I would love to mention is that Joe Gibson, a.k.a. Ratmoy of the USA, is no longer on this podcast. He will be, from here on out, replaced by yours truly. And here's our intro. Can you stay sober long enough for that? We're waiting. Where's this intro at? I got... (laughs) I think I think he passed out. Everybody, he passed out. Passed out, motherfucker. Are you serious? Can I don't you know, wait hear for it? your intro. Oh shit! I thought it was already playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all your fault. <laughs> you got me all flustered thinking that it was already playing. Wow! It don't take much to get you flustered, man. Why is this not playing? It's the. We're waiting. Come on now. This doesn't make for a good podcast. Yeah, get air now. It ain't gonna. Yep. It ain't gonna let it come through. Uh, when it's oh, all said and man. done, that's all. I know. Ron, I got one for you. Can I play mine? Can I play I mine? No, you can't play. Go ahead and play yours. Oh. Go ahead. I'll all right. Yeah. Here we go. I'm playing. It's about two and a half minutes long, so it'll be a good one. It, it, it really describes let, you. It, it better not be anything pro Hitler, because you already said Hitler's burning in the bowels of hell. Here we go. As the 21st century began. Human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction, a dumbing down. Harvard researchers have found children who live in high-fluoride areas have significantly lower IQs. Enjoy your extra big Researchers found members of Congress, on average, speak at a 10th grade level. Most Americans read at an 8th or 9th grade level. Look, now, I'll talk slow so you can understand me. It was just a few thousand years ago that our answer... All right. All right, everybody. Uh, if you hung in there and listened to that, that was Ronald Murray from one of the Nazi skinheads there who threatened to kill me. Uh... <laughs> of course, that was... Uh... Obviously, he never fulfilled his threats, never came through with his threats. Um, 
you know, I had to play the whole thing because, you know, I didn't want to play bits and pieces. I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, that uh, you guys got the logistics of it. But his name is Ronald Murray. He's from Austin, Texas. Um, I never had him arrested for that, actually. But um, I forgot he threatened my father, actually. So, you know, I kind of would like to kick this guy's ass, you know. What do you think? What do you think there? Who's going to look at Cave? You still on there, Cave? Cave? I know I got somebody on there, whoever's on there, whoever's alive. Um, Press number one. I know I got a few callers here on the line here who who had to endure that. But, hey, you guys had to listen to the whole thing. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it goes, you know. But uh, that was Ronald Murray there from the NSM. <laughs> Tave, you still out there? Tave, you fall asleep on me? <laughs> All right, hang on, let me see. I still got the recording going, actually. So, hang on. Lori Ann, are you still there? I know I got a few people yes, still on the line Yes, I am. What did you think of that? Yeah, I've been in the chat, like, uh, commenting here and there. Dude, that guy is freaking nuts and crazy. And... But wow. that's the crap I go through. I, I but don't that's know the crap how you I endured was... that shit for that long. I would have completely, I would have, like, hung up and banned his ass or whatever, you know. I would have <laughs> definitely not endured. Well, well, you have to understand something. Anywhere see, near was... that. Well, Lorianne, you have to understand something. A few years ago, my podcast show was, like, really popular, and, and I was getting attacked from, like, so many different people. And and this was just like – I mean, I was even on Howard Stern. I told you that. I, I sent you the clip. Uh, you guys the clip, and you guys – some of you may have heard it. But I was getting attacked from, like, every angle. And these guys from the NSM, they called in, and uh, they threatened to kill me. I mean, they were going to try to kill me. They were going to come to my house. I mean, they were going to kill me. And I was like, yeah. I was like, man, I get to live, man. This is fun, you know. I'm like, I'm all for it, you know. I'll leave the porch light on for you. Come on, man. You know, but they never showed up. They never came, you know. So I, ne- I never got to, you know, they don't know who they're messing with. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not. Well, I guess I am. Been... I'm a badass. You fucking mess with me. Let me you tell you something. You called in. When was the show from? Huh? When was this show I, from that you played the clip from that he called in? Oh, this was um uh May, the month of May 2021. May have been 2021 oh, okay. or so 2022. A little over a couple of yeah. years ago. Yeah, wow. yeah, cuz you heard him quoting things that happened, yeah. But, you know, like, you know, I'm I'm like one of those guys, look. <laughs> I mean, this guy, right? He's like six foot three, weighs 130, like 113 pounds. He's a crackhead, and he's a stone cold racist. He still is to this day, um, and uh, he just hate he 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 hates me, you know. Obviously, uh, you know he just hates me. And uh, see, so you heard him mention Sarge too, right? Sarge, because he was mad that he was mad that I had black guys calling into my show. That was the whole thing, you see. That, that that I had Pianke and Sarge calling into oh, my yeah. show. That was the big thing. Yeah. That's what started it, actually. Oh, my you God. Know, they called in the, uh, yeah. Sarge is ruining the white race, man, and you're part of it, dude. You fucker. Yeah. It's all your fault. The white race is all your fault, Joe Gibson. 
Yeah, yeah. Anybody who wants to call in, you got to listen. I got 60 seconds left. It's going to go into overtime, so you can't get in. So if you want to call in, call in now and press one. Otherwise, you won't be able to get in. So uh, I won't be on too much longer. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, that was the whole thing. See, I used to have this guy named Mandelicon. He used to call him. He's a black guy. He's from Jamaica. And he's calling. He'd be like one of my co-hosts. He'd call in. He's from the People's Revolution. And like we used to go back and forth and argue and stuff. But he was like one of my buddies, you know. And they hated that. They couldn't stand it that there was a black guy that was on my show, like, for some reason. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? I said, who the hell are you? You know, and because I'm like a white guy, you know. And they were just like, they were just like attacking me all the time. And it was like really good. It was good podcasting. But, but they really meant it. They were like calling and threatening me. They were going to kill me. They were going to come to my house. And I was like, I, like, I couldn't wait for it. I was like, man, when are they coming? You know, it's like be fun, you know. <laughs> I haven't told my go to the gym at seven o'clock in the morning, Gold Gym, Battleground Avenue. Meet me there, you know. Come on, I'm not you know. Trying to hide from anybody. Big suckers, if that's what the fuck you want to do, you little faggot bitch. But I have no I'm not trying to hide from anybody, little Ron. All I'm asking for is the address. <laughs> well, Ron, I'm sorry. People in hell want ice water. Oh, you're just gonna have to deal with it. That's what it is. You're just gonna have to deal with it. You don't I'm not going to give my address out. That's right. No, it's not because I'm a coward. It's called intelligence. Something you very much lack. It's not my fault. Well, maybe, maybe not the next my fault that some fucking other, tight you know? decided maybe, that he knows? was going to stick his Shylocks in your bunghole. That's not my yeah. issue. Yeah. Not my Run. problem. At- yeah, I love it, huh? <laughs> what do you think? God. Yeah, very colorful. Yeah, no, I would not I have know. put up with that for that long. I would have been like, okay, goodbye. Like, <laughs> a few minutes. But, but, I mean, well, he was obviously well, well, this, uh, drunk as hell, does not hold his whiskey very well at all. I know. And I just he thought that, like, at the, the beginning, beginning where he was remember? like, I live in Houston. We don't have gangbangers here. We don't have drive-bys. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck planet are you living on? You, you're living in Houston. You obviously probably have a lot of child trafficking rings and cartels and shit going on down there and you're trying to pretend like, yeah. you know, everything's just all peaceful and there's no it's crime. Crazy. Like, whatever. I mean, you know? improve our lives. You want people to fall back into the same trap that they fell into 250 years ago that caused this fucking... <laughs> Isn't that guy amazing? I mean, I mean, he's just something else. He's still going on. I mean, I, I had a whole recording of this. Like, it went on for, like, hours, you know? And... and, and and like he, they know my address, and I was like, okay, when you coming, man? When you coming? And like they never showed up, you know? Because listen, I, I tell people like this: I leave the porch light on for you anytime you want to come by. Nobody's gonna do anything. They're all tough guys, especially guys like him. They ain't gonna do nothing. Listen, I work out at Gold's Gym every morning between seven and nine a.m. Battleground Avenue. I tell people, come on down anytime. We can handle it like men. Nobody ever shows up because they know for a fact. Look, I bench press 450 pounds. You ain't breaking me. Come on, this guy weighs 112 pounds. I'll snap him <laughs> like a breadstick. You know, come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they're just they're just punks, man, and they know it. You know, yeah. and yeah, they just you know they gotta be tough guy in some way, and. I guess, yeah. it's, you know, if they're going to get their hate out, you know, it's better that they call into a show like yours and well, get other what questions I mean, out instead be, of, like, beating you. their thank wives you. and beating their kids or thank something, you. you know. Thank you. And that's my key. I'm glad he's taking his hate out on me and not attacking a Jewish temple 
or a synagogue or, or going out and shooting up a school or doing something crazy. You know what I mean? I'm glad they're taking cause, but you know, because by the time that conversation was done, you know he passed out for two days. <laughs> you know? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No I doubt. Mean, you know, but that, yeah, that is the kind of person that you got to kind of worry about, though. You know, it's like. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, that is that is the kind of person that'll be crazy enough to, you know, go and shoot up a school or something. You know. I know. Or you're a what? No. You don't want to the what the fuck you've oh, done. Okay, Ron. You're no one near a man. Ron. You pick Calm on down. women, get PPO put move on, on you. Let's move on, Ron. I don't want to hang up on you. Oh, but do we need to just... move on? Are you wanting to move on? Is your butt hurt? Now you're closing oh, the show. Oh, yeah. take his dick out of your butt, and now you ain't having fun no more? I'm having plenty of fun. It's just that the clock is winding well, down, and I wanted to go listen to Harry's show tonight. So. Oh, don't worry about Harry's show, faggot. Okay, well, that, we that goes, Ron, you don't control my every movement. Show. You don't control my every movement. <laughs> yeah, that went on right to the end of the show, like, you know. And they even started calling my cell phone and, like, calling my phone and everything, threatening me, you know. And, look, I wasn't going to have him arrested. I mean, easily I could have him arrested, right, for the crap he said, right? I mean, he threatened me, like, 90 times. <laughs> I mean, you know. I know. I, but I wasn't going to do that. I lost one. Yeah, <laughs> I totally lost count. And uh, yeah, I'm getting some food now too. Um, what would you have done if if, if oh somebody called God. in and did that to you? What would you have done? You probably would have freaked. You probably be like a little nervous, huh? I mean, if a psycho like that called in and started Maybe, harassing yeah. you, I mean, I mean, especially if they knew my address and everything, then that's kind of like yeah. okay, you know. I would definitely yeah. probably make a report out of it. Um, yeah. Go, hey, you know, well, you know what I don't like that I forgot about. You know, I forgot about. You know, I forgot about it. That was my father, actually. That was that called in that caller. That was my dad, and I forgot all about oh. that actually. And I'll be honest with you, if I would, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> you know, that's my dad, and I didn't know he threatened my dad. I forgot about that, you know. But my dad was like the reasonable type. I remember him telling me, "Let it go, let it go," because. Me and like seven other guys from the military go down there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, we could do society, planet Earth a favor, and you know. <laughs> but yeah, my dad, I remember my dad, yeah, you know, I but because <laughs> the guy's a joke. I, I mean, and he's still uh, around. Actually, he's still yeah. around. He's still if around. If he were, I you know, and everything, yeah. I would probably report it. But I would also, you know. I'd have both my yeah. nine millimeter and my forty four <laughs> ready to go. Sarge, <laughs> but this all started because of Sarge. Because Sarge and Pianke were on my show, and they didn't like them. They didn't like Sarge. They hated him. You know, you heard him say it. You know, and he called him the N word and everything. You know, and and I was like, you know, that's my friend. Oh, yeah. You know, why are you calling him that? You know, and Sarge was on a couple other exchanges I had with those guys, and Sarge was like, just let it go. Forget those guys. They eventually dried up and went away. But this past week, I guess my name got brought back up, I guess, from what I hear from intelligence reports and whatnot. And I guess they brought my name back up. And, uh, you know, um, I guess they don't like me. I guess they hate me. I don't know. I, I guess because I'm running for public office. Are they still I don't know. actually doing shows here on Blog Talk or something, or what's the deal? No, they they have their own little vodcast, I guess. And I guess there's a, 
that 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 was the National Socialist Movement, and that guy got kicked out of the NSM actually for doing what he did, threatening me and whatnot. And I oh, guess wow. still yeah, bad you have to be blood. pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you he's down in Texas. <laughs> yeah, and and they put pictures wow. up of me and stuff on their on their Telegram thing, like fake Navy Seals, Joe Gibson, and stuff, and 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 you know all kinds of stuff. I mean, they're just hilarious. What it is is when you hate people. See, what it is is that's a good demonstration of 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 hate. And when you hate like that, you don't think rationally, but. Sometimes there's people you can't change, you know, no matter what you do, no matter how much you pray for them, or even if they go to jail for 10 years, you can't change them. They're just bad people. And, you know, I'm against, you know, I I mean, it's hard for me to say. Like, people like that, I mean, years ago, you see, you you handled things a different way, you know. You usually want to have hope for people. Is I think yeah. what you're trying to say. You try to have hope yeah. for people, uh, but you realize, like, man, fucking hopeless. There's just there's no hope for you. You're just I know. you're doomed I know. to be a hater, you know, and uh, and you're not gonna pass. And he called me a snitch you know? and everything, and it's like he called me a snitch and a and this and that, and, and, and it's like, who are you, dude? What do you know about me? You don't know me, you know? I mean, it's so because I worked for the government, on, and I was trying to stop corruption, and I stopped murder attempts, and I, I helped people, and a three-year-old girl, remember I heard, I told my story about, that was true, that's a true story, a three-year-old girl got caught in a crossfire of a gang war in Hartford, Connecticut, and I was trying to find out who did that, you know, because the family wanted justice. You know, I mean, a poor little three-year-old girl died. I mean, and I'm a bad guy yeah. for wanting to and find out who did that. And unfortunately, that happens all too often, especially in Chicago. Yeah, and I'm a bad guy for wanting to stop that. I'm a rat. What, what kind of scumbag of society are you that that cheers on a three-year-old little girl that gets murdered? You know, I mean, you know, and and, and yeah. when I worked undercover in the prisons, I, I came across a lot of bad people like that, and I had to become a bad person to fit in, you know, and 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 infiltrate the gang. I became president of the gang. I mean, I was you know in charge. I mean, the stuff I saw, the things that I did, haunt me to this day. You know, I mean, there's a lot of bad things that that really bother me. To I mean, I remember a kid wanted out of the gang and. I didn't let him out because I I couldn't because the, the rule was blood in blood out and you know and I remember them beating him down in the cell block and him screaming for help and and that you know and I ordered that on him and you know but I was working you know for for the feds undercover I mean you know and I had to do things that to this day I I regret but you know and and it's just that I saw a lot of bad stuff happen and a lot of you know and I I'm not proud of it but. You know, at the same time, I did prevent a lot of bad things happening. I cleaned up. I mean, to this day, the gangs really have never recovered up there in the state of Connecticut. To this day, they've still been broken up, and, you know, a lot of stuff has happened. And, and we broke up Good. prosecutors that were on the take, lawyers that were on well, the take, judges that Well, and I think that that's that a reality that a lot of people don't really realize, too, when you're in that position, when you are, you know, when you're undercover like that, um, yeah. deep in, you know, that's, that's a reality. So sometimes, 
you know, you got to you get yourself movie, hooked you on drugs because they're not um, going to trust you unless you fucking snort yeah. a line with them or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that you got to do what you got to do to, and, you know, get on the inside and infiltrate it in, uh, in order to expose it and get everybody involved, you know, from, you know, the top down. You ever see that movie? You ever see that movie years ago from, uh, what was it called? Donnie Brasco. You ever saw that movie? Donnie Brasco. Oh, it sounds really familiar. Depp. I probably have, but I'm not play, playing playing it. Had it. Al Pacino, it had Al Pacino. It had Al Pacino and uh, Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's been a while. But yeah, yeah. He, 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 yeah. And he worked undercover. I knew that guy actually. Um, uh, Joe Pistone was his name, and there was a contract on him for many, many years. He had to hide his family. They were gonna kill his daughters, his sons, and you know he went undercover and. You know, I remember Lefty, the mob guy that was he got close to. Uh, it, it, it was a movie, and it was pretty much a, the movie actually depicted a pretty true story of what happened. Well, anyway, um, uh, the guy that John Gotti killed. Oh God, what the hell was his name? Uh, Paul Castellano. That's right, Paul Castellano. Paul Castellano had lifted the the contract on Joe Pistone. In 1989 and 1990, because they had a contract on his family, they were going to kill his family. I remember that, and I knew the guy. I knew the the feds that were working that case actually, and I remember Joe Pistone. And Joe Pistone to this day has to live under assumed identity because you know there's still a contract out on his family. But even though even though it was listed by Paul Costello, but Paul Costello got whacked by uh, John Gotti. You know, and Sammy the Bull. Well, Sammy the Bull, he didn't, and John Guy, they didn't do the killing. It was uh, their soldiers killed the, uh, Paul Costello. They they watched the hit go down though, but um, you know, so that was the, that was the time frame that I was doing all this. You know, this was a very bad time. You know, crime was out of control. This was 1989, 1990, 91, 92. You know, and I'm a young kid. And I'm special forces coming out of the military, and you know, and I'm in jail, and I'm working undercover in the jail. And the computers I got caught with, they wanted the Columbos, the Colombo crime family. The, uh, they wanted to buy the computers. They wanted me to rat on the Columbos. I said, no, I'm not going to rat on them. And you know, and, and it was just a big thing that happened back then. And you know, and and I, I mean, I'm glad I didn't rat and, and tell, but you know, at the same time. The things that I did and the services that I – I never got credit for it, and, but at the same time, I'm, I, I did what I did, but it was another life. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about because 30 years ago, you say, wow, you must be an old man. I'm still a young guy, really. Technically, I'm upper 40s, you know, but that was a different time back then. It's like it's so weird how times have changed, you know, compared to today. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, yeah, think back. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but what were you doing in 1990, 91, 92? Where were I'm you? 50. What were you doing? Oh, okay. So you were, I'm 50 so you years were 19, old. 20 years old. Yeah. Okay. So you're 19, 20 yeah. years old. So you were a teenager during those times. So you know how crazy those times were, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you know, they were and you know what? crazy times. They still are, just on a different scale. You know, yeah. I think that yeah, you know, they're in some ways they're even more crazy than they were back then. Um, well, there's no code of honor because now we have no the advent of, of technology. Yeah, you yeah, know, true. I mean, back then there true. back then there was a code of honor. 
I mean, you didn't tell, you didn't rat, you didn't sell out your brother. You know, they had a code, but that was the demise, though, that killed them. Back in, it was about 1996, 1997, when I saw the real change of the system and the different types of criminals that were coming out. The gangs got broken up, and they weren't consolidated and big anymore. They broke up into different factions, and there was no justice really anymore. They were These were young punks that would just kill, 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 and not have any remorse or any reason to kill. They would do it over anything. Back then, and, you know, there was reasons. You know, you broke a rule or you had to, you know, there was a code of honor. Like I said, there was like honor amongst thieves in a way. And that kind of got wiped out, and, that's, and we lost that. And that's kind of like a reflection of how America is today. We see today there's no honor. There's no – what's my handshake mean? If I give you my word, it doesn't mean anything anymore. People lie to each other. There's no honor. You know, it's kind of like with relationships with, between men and women. The, the, you know, there's no honor. There's no, you know, like back then, if like if I was if I was a married guy at in 1991 and I cheated on my wife with another married guy's wife, I'd be killed for that. Today they wouldn't do that. Today they wouldn't they wouldn't care. Then that was a big no no. They respected the institution of marriage. You know. If this was your wife, whoa, you know, you don't talk about stuff, you know, you respect the, the ladies, or, you know, there was honor. Today, there's no honor, there's no respect, you know, and and I've seen that, the the the, the systematic breakdown of what's right, between, you know, what's right and what's wrong, because there's no man, there's no female, we have in between now, <laughs> we talk about it all the time, that, you know, there's no, there's yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there's no, there's no Everything line Everything is upside drawn. down. And it's exactly. All yeah, you it's know. Not, you I know, mean, it's just weird. It's no longer, it's you know. <laughs> just, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, and that applies in relationships. That applies to almost everything now. Everything is so selfish. Yeah. Yeah. People have, like you said, they have no honor and no integrity anymore. It's like. You know, Webster may as well just take those two words right out of the fucking dictionary because they don't exist yeah. anymore. That guy, that guy that was on the phone there, that guy, Ron, 25 years ago, if he would have said something like that to me, he'd be in a barrel, a 50-gallon drum with holes in the bottom of it in the Atlantic Ocean, you know, <laughs> flat out. You know, that he would, that's what would happen. You know, straight arrow or not, uh, he would get, he'd get clipped just for running his mouth like that. You know, I mean, because cause, and that's how it was. But people back then wouldn't say the things that he said like that to me. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy. It's 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 so hard. I mean, I think about my great grandparents, my grandparents, or people from that generation, and they talk about how the younger generations have lost their way. And I can only imagine how they're they, how much they different it was for them watching us grow up and now we watch our young people grow up it's amazing how things have deteriorated and faded away you know <clears throat> i mean what's the excitement i mean what's the, like the street life like out there today see i've been living in the country life now behind the scenes i'm running for public office or whatever but i'm not that uh crazy type of guy i was back when i was 20 years old or 22 years old I live a quiet life now, you know. Well, I, I should like hope not. 
I don't think that we should, you know, I don't, I don't think we should be in any really much like anything that we were back when we were twenty. When you hit, yeah, when you hit your yeah. mid forties yeah. into fifty, you, you, and how you approach life uh, should be a very, very different uh, type of reality. You know, otherwise it shows that you've just never grown up. You've never evolved. Well, You've never but grown if you look at being. the times, though, those people back in 1990, 91, they were my age back then. They were gangsters still, you know? They lit, you know? But today, we look at it, and we're like, uh-uh, I gotta live like that now. I'm grown up. But back then, it was. Look at Paul Castellano. He was in his 60s when he got whacked. You know, look at John Gotti. Look at, uh, Sam, you know, I mean, you know, those guys weren't, weren't young, you know? They weren't kids, uh, Let's see, uh, uh, Scarfa, uh, let's see, uh, what the hell was his name? What the hell was that guy's name? They did a movie about him. Henry Hill. Remember Henry Hill, Goodfellas? <clears throat> you know, that, remember that movie, Goodfellas? He was around back. I met that I met yep. him, you know. Yeah. Henry Hill. I remember him. Yeah. Henry Hill. Yeah. You, you know, Uncle, that, remember he called the guy Uncle Polly that played Uncle Polly? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Costello. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those guys, man. In the movies and everything, although those those were all uh, Little Italy, all those you know uh, Worcester Street, New Haven, Connecticut, and everything. I knew all those guys. You know, they were those those characters they played in the movies, and and those guys. And were even real they people. had rules, you know. Even they had yeah, rules, yeah. even against their rivals. There was shit that yeah. you just did. There's lines that you just did not cross. And there exactly. was still a level of civility even in the mob, you know. Yeah. Organized crime, you know what? I always respected it. They always had this thing. You know how they always said, it's our thing. It's our, it's, it's our thing. This is our thing. That's what they used to say. And it was like the Italian, the neighborhoods, they had their own police force, and that was the mafia. You know, they, they had their thing. It was their thing. You know, they did things behind the scenes. They never called the government. They never called 911. They never called the fire department. They, they had their own people handle things. The Irish were the same way. The Westies, Hell's Kitchen. Oh, Hell's Kitchen was crazy. I remember Hell's Kitchen, man. Oh, wow. The Irishmen back then, they, I mean, they were some crazy sons of bitches, the Irish back then. Uh, what the hell was his name? Green. His last name was Green. I forget his first name. Uh, he he got killed right before I came out to the scene. They tried car bombing him about 16 times. Uh, he came from Cleveland, Ohio. I forgot his name. His last name was Green. I remember that, but... Uh, crazy Irish gangs, man. Irish were uh, some uh, bad sons of bitches, the Irishmen, you know. But all these people were were discriminated against when they got off the boat. The Irish, the Jews, the Italians, you know. They got put into neighborhoods, you know, the Five Points and everything. All that's true, those neighborhoods. And, and you know, the Bronx, Five Boroughs, those were, those were the neighborhoods. And if you were born and raised in a certain neighborhood, you stuck with your own clique, your own kind, you know. And that's how it was back then. See, and and if you want to break away, you came to where I'm at now. You know, we move. I moved away from up there. If I went back up there, I mean, guys probably wouldn't re- really remember me from the old neighborhood, and you know, I mean, it, they wouldn't recognize me. I mean, most of the people are dead now, or they're in jail, or they moved on. I mean, I remember when they did the Fox. They did a Fox uh, news story on me uh, when I sued. Uh, the government in 2000 and uh, let's see, it was after the second murder attempt. They did like a 15-minute skit on me on, on Channel 61 in Connecticut. And uh, uh, what was his name? Um, 
well, what's that uh, guy's name up there? Oh, man, I forgot his name. Uh, Lieber, Senator Lieberman, he was involved in it. Uh, the guy that ran for VP, Joe Lieberman, he was involved, and there was another guy that was involved there. Oh, I forgot it. He was the attorney general. Oh, I forgot his name. Oh, man. I wish I could remember it. My mind's going blank right now, but it was uh, but Joe Lieberman was involved. He was, That was a corrupt son of a bitch, Senator Joe Lieberman. He was, uh, I, uh, I think he was uh, Al Gore's VP during 2000 campaign. Remember Joe Lieberman? He ran for vice president. Yeah, very vaguely. Yeah, well, that's yeah, a pretty, yeah. pretty like yeah, not very aware of politics, Dad. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe Lieberman. Yeah, he was corrupt. That was the corrupt class that was coming out of the Democrats at that time. Wasn't he in Senate and they like lost forever? To What's that? Wasn't he in the Senate or something or a congressman for yeah. like yeah. for fucking ever? Senator, yeah, Senator Joe Lieberman. Yeah, he ran. And he was Al Gore's yeah. vice president. Yeah, he was Al Gore's vice president. That they would he would have been vice president if they would have beat George Bush in two thousand. But uh, it was uh, what the hell was his name, man? I can't remember his name, man. That freaking guy from uh. Uh, he, he talked about me. He did an interview about me. He said, I remember him saying my name, Joe Gibson. Yeah, that guy, Joe Gibson. Yeah, well, in this case, said Joe Gibson. I remember him. Uh, I can't remember his name. Son of a bitch. Oh, I remember his name. He, uh, he was the attorney general at, uh, in Connecticut. But he was corrupt like a son of a bitch, though. And I had some shit on him, but they wouldn't let me bring it. See, when I got – when they tried to kill me the second time, that's when I got out of Connecticut. I said, there ain't going to be a third time. I'm getting the hell out of here. You know, I remember I was getting out of my car. Uh, it was it was March 31st, and I was getting out of my car, and three guys, they tried to – I mean, they surrounded me so fast. Yeah, I mean, and I was expecting it. You know, here I am. I'm trained. I'm a professional. I know I defend myself, and and they still duped me. I mean, I don't know how they did it, but they had three of them, they circled me so fast, and I said, I'm dead. I'm, I'm, I'm like well, – that's what I said to myself. I said, I'm dead. I can't win. You know, they got me, and the guy slammed the gun up against the temple of my head. My head, boom! It hit me in the side of the head. And he pulled the trigger, and the gun went bang, and it misfired. <clears throat> but I'm thinking, you know, my head's blown off now. I'm dead. You know, you get a big loud bang, and my ear starts ringing. And then I'm like, wow, I'm not dead. And the guy in front of me pulls out a knife, stabs me in the chest. You know, and he rips the knife out. That's what hurt the most when he ripped it out. And then uh, I fell in the middle of the street on State Street in Meridian, Connecticut, and I thought I would, you know, cars are going by me. Nobody would stop and help me, you know. I'm lying there half bleeding to death. And uh, uh, I managed to get enough strength to crawl back into my car, call 911, and call the ambulance. And I gave my deathbed confession to the operator, you know, uh, this, that, blah, blah. I got a case going on. I'm going to work for the federal government, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hang on. So the firefighters get there, and they, firefighters, man, this guy, he picked me up out of the car. Now, I'm not a small guy now, you know. He picks me up like a rag doll, and he puts me on the stretcher. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get killed right here, go into the hospital. I'm thinking they're going to finish me off, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 get me out of here like that. No, no. And they're like, and the, I remember the detective's like, calm down. You're in good hands. You're safe now. And then, and then uh, they bring me to Yale New Haven Hospital, and they put me under an alias, Jose Gonzalez. They put me under an alias, not my real name. And uh, they put, insert a chest tube into me, and that was painful as hell. And, uh, you know, obviously I lived, but they didn't think I was going to live on the way down there, but I lived. 
and they put me under armed guard status and whatnot. And then when I got released from the hospital, they said, you got a choice. Either you're going to witness protection or you're dead. <laughs> I said, I think I'm going to leave the state of Connecticut. That's what I'm going to do. And they said, okay, we'll let you do that. And that's why I came down here. I started up my life all new, back back new, fresh. And uh, just uh, opened up a business. And now here I am years later running for public office. And that part of my life, I like, kind of like, just like to forget. You know what I mean? Just like to forget about it. And really, nobody's ever brought it up. When I was running public office last time around, nobody brought it up. And uh, nobody really asked me questions about it. So, uh, you know, and I always wonder. My, well, my, probably because my it is become... a pretty sore subject. You know, it's like, no, I don't think any decent person doesn't really like to ask about, like, <laughs> you know, Tell me about like the mo- one of the most traumatizing events in your whole fucking life. Relive it for me, will ya? I mean, most most decent people don't want to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. I'd be kind of like wanting to know, like, hey, what was it like, man? Did you really know John Gotti? Hey, did you really do this? You know what I mean? I don't know. I guess I kind of ask questions. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had, I remember one guy I spoke to on the phone. uh, he said when when we were talking about it, he's like, man, I really wish I lived your lifestyle. He's like, wow, that must have been fun. He, I bet you were crazy. I bet you had a good time. I was like, really? It's not what you. It's not what you think. It, you know, it really wasn't. It was really yeah, boring. Yeah, it's not as glamorous you know? as, as uh, Hollywood makes it out to me. No, it it wasn't fun at all, and it was it was really sad. You know, and it was. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, it's just, it's not that glamorous type of thing. You know, it wasn't, and we, you were always wanting money. You were always broke because you were gambling, partying, and, you know, all your best friend was either going to jail or getting killed or, you know, and, you know, it was just, there was no family life. It was just fast, fast pace, you know, was there good times? Yeah. Was there fun times? Yeah. Was there partying? Yeah. But the most part, it was sad. You know, at the end of the day, if I had to live my life over, I'd like to live a nice, quiet life. Like, like, uh, uh, what's the most boring life you could think of? <laughs> a farm, maybe someplace. You know, middle I, I would, of nowhere, cabin, hunting and yeah, gathering. Yeah, like the, like the uh, nobody around house for miles. Yeah, a little house on the prairie or something. <laughs> yeah. I'd give it all up. I'd give Even it all then, up. All the crazy stuff. There's still too many people on the little house on the prairie nearby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would go to the casino There's and I would somewhere drop where it's like your nearest neighbor is like 10 miles away. I mean, like I just said, I would go to the casino. I dropped 20 grand like it was nothing. You know? I mean, I was partying, having fun, going to the dog tracks, the race tracks or whatever. You know, I mean, hanging out with these guys, I mean, that's been a fun time. I mean, yeah, it was fun, but uh, but, but like I said, at the end of the day, I remember going to um, Mesquamacate Beach in Rhode Island and me and two other guys, and I got drunk and passed out, and the guy wrote asshole in my back. You know, was it canning lotion? <laughs> he wrote asshole. So no, it's right here, you know, yeah, so it, so it said asshole in my back because, you know, the sunburn, you know. And they were all laughing at me, you know, like, ah, we were doing a warehouse job. We're unloading trucks or whatever, right? And I'm wearing a tank top. And they're like, Joe, why don't you take your shirt off? And I was like, no, nah, I'm sunburned. And they're like, yeah, well, we want to see your tan. 
like that, you know, like, oh, let me look at it. And they had some girls there and everything, and they were giggling and laughing or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll flex, take off. And they all started laughing. I'm like, what the fuck are you laughing at? And then finally I find out with asshole written on my back. And I said, you son of a bitch. I'm going to beat that kid's ass in the bathroom. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know that, that's how it was. Though. I was passed out broke, you know, and my best friend likes asshole on my back. What an idiot, you know. <laughs> but, but, well, that's uh, the you kind know, of shit people do, though. You know, even though yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of traumatizing stuff, but it's also a lot of that is just like making the best out of a bad situation, you know, and, well, and it's yeah. just kind of normal. Yeah. Like, you just don't really know any other way, really, you know, and so you just make the best yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, you got to remember the people you hurt along the way, you know, like, I was living this double lifestyle, and I was dating this girl, and she didn't know what I was doing. You know, she didn't know I was going into the military and everything. And you know, she she was pregnant too when I left. So I don't know if she got an abortion to this day. I don't know what happened because her parents. She was like one of those rich girls or whatever. And her parents made her break up with me and everything. When they found out I got arrested in a bar fight, and to this day I don't know what happened to her. She sent me a message like five years ago. You're a scumbag. You make my spring skin crawl, you scumbag, or whatever, like, I was like, damn, I haven't talked to you in, like, 30 years, you know, <laughs> you know, and then she blocked me on Facebook, so I don't know what happened, you know, <laughs> so, and I felt like asking, I'm like, well, you were kind of, like, pregnant last time I talked to you, you know, in 1990, did you ever have my kid, <laughs> you know, you know, so, but it was, but I talked to uh, uh, one of her best friends, uh, she was uh, uh, Melissa Barbarino, uh, Tom Barbarino's father, he owned Barbarino's car dealership in Wallingford, Connecticut. And uh, Mafia, of course, tied. And uh, she told me she got an abortion, so. <clears throat> which I'm against, of course. So I feel bad to this day. But you see, that's the lifestyle I live. Now imagine if I would have had that kid back when I was 18 years old. What kind of life would that kid have had? You know what I mean? When I got out, you know, I was in, you know, here yeah. I'm working, you know. I mean, I would have put that kid through hell. You know, I, I feel bad. You know, I'm. I'm so, well, she moved on, and, you know, I guess she got married or whatever. I don't know. She, you know, I never fought. With her and I have never spoken ever since. Like I said, she sent me that message on Facebook. But but those are the people that you, that I made contact with during that time that, you know, those are broken relationships. I mean, I meet families that broke up. I mean, uh, this kid that I know, he got killed. Uh, he was in a gang. You know, he got shot and killed. I remember he came from a good family. and his parents were heartbroken. You know, he, the dad had so much dreams for him. He was going to go. He had a football scholarship, you know, and he ended up murdered, dead, you know, uh, for stuff that he got involved with. And, you know, it's just, you know, you think of the lives you touched over the years and the people that that you screwed up their lives and and, and even the bad things I did. I remember, I remember a lot of people, I, the guys I beat up, you know, I remember kicking their teeth in and, you know, I, mean, I think about that. And I was like, that's. You know, I was a bad person. I wasn't a good guy. You know, I was a mean person. I feel bad about that. You know, I, w- I wish I could go back and say I'm sorry to those people, you know. I mean, to this day, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people's lives that I ruined, you know. I mean, and even though I was doing the greater good, but at the same time, there was, you know, I was in a gang, you know. I mean, that's just not, it's not something to be proud of, you know. I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. It's hard to put in words, you know. I mean, just think of the lives, the people that you, the ripple effect, you know. You hurt this person, it hurts that person, it hurts this person. You know, it's like a domino effect, 
you know. You understand yeah, what the I'm butterfly saying? effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I like mean, how did how did my actions, you know, really impact? Like, I mean, it's some of some of those things, you know, you know, and not, there's a lot that you don't know, you know, and and yeah, even things that maybe you haven't thought about for a very long time. Yeah. And yeah, for good reason, you know. Some of that is like your own brain trauma, kind of like you know blocking stuff out because you don't want to rehash those traumas you don't want to rehash all that you know all those old feelings of guilt and all that stuff you know and and you understand that a lot of that yeah relive it you know yeah trigger they trigger i get triggers you know that remind me back to those days and i'm like oh man you know i'll think back like wow i remember this guy you know and like you know and then you know, it's just stuff that you just don't want to, you know. I guess I was one of the lucky ones. I lived through it, lived to tell about it. But, and who knows, 20 years from now, you know, who knows? You know, they'll say, yeah, that guy, remember this guy? You know, you never know. But at the same time, you know, like, look at that asshole I was just arguing with. Uh, you know, I mean, that could easily blown up to a very bad situation. I mean, imagine if any one of them came here to try to hurt me, you know. I mean, I, I, I would have to defend myself, and, you know, I'd, I'd hurt him, you know? <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's not like they didn't have, wouldn't have had it coming, but it's not like it's something yeah, that you I want know. to do either, you know? It's like, yeah, rather avoid yeah. that, no, I would, you know? I would make, and that's what well, a decent person does. And I yeah, guess that's to I your guess. credit, because the type of person that you were when you were in your 20s, you know, or whatever, um, would have been this person that would have been like, yeah, you got it coming. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to have any guilt about it, you know. But now that you're older and wiser and all of that, now you're like, no, I really don't want to have to do that to somebody. I don't want to have to, you know, live with that guilt, even if they had it coming, even if it was in self-defense. You know, we still don't want to have to live with no, because I would break him down in, into pieces, and, and 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 like you ever heard that like like some like a switch would get turned on. I would see red, and I'm a, I would turn into a machine, and I would just break him down, you know. And he would probably end up like a paraplegic. I mean, like you know, paralyzed, you know, because I I would if you threaten my family or try to come hurt me or you know or or you know he threatened to kill me in that you know in that audio. You, you heard him, you know. I mean, I would do bad things to him, you know, and, and if once I did that to him, I would have to do it to his friend and anybody else who was involved, you know. <laughs> That's all to it. You got to you gotta reap what you sow, pal, you know, and and – that's why it's dangerous, to, you know, doing, you know, doing this podcast show. But you know, old people call, you know, like that guy calling in like that. That was a dangerous situation a couple of years ago. I was in a bad situation. People were calling me like really big time, threatening me a lot. My podcast show was very popular. I mean, they were like constantly harassing me. You know, I mean, they would call me up. Uh, I mean, just all hours of the night, and they would hack into my computer. I mean, it was crazy. Ask Adam, that guy Adam. Actually, he'll he could tell you. I he. I put, let him come into my computer to try to fix it because they hacked into my computer. And they, I mean, it was just bad. It was a, just a bad situation. I mean, you know, and I, and I don't want to like, have him arrested. <laughs> yeah, it was real bad. Trust me, real bad. 
But uh, <clears throat> all that's behind me. Now, I guess I now it's one of those, you know, video killed the radio star. You know, everything's TikTok <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we lost we lost Joe. We lost Tave. I don't know. There's a couple people still on the line, so I don't know. They're listening. They're probably like, "Oh my God, <laughs> I don't want to know this guy." <laughs> Get me the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm not going to hurt nobody, I promise. <laughs> I'm a nice guy, really. <laughs> no, I'm not gathering that impression from you at all. I mean, it's. Yeah, just, well, I hope so. You know, you, know. you know, you didn't used to be a good guy. You admit it. Um, I'm no, sure I wasn't. that. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't. It's taken some was effort. On your part, you know, a wake-up call, um, probably yeah. almost dying was probably that wake-up call. Um, uh, yeah, it was. And <laughs> I had my throat a couple of times, and it's like, staples. Yeah. you know, when you go through something staples. like that, and even people that are caring for you in the hospital are wondering if you're, you know, your chance are saying, you know, yeah, your chances aren't very good that you're going to pull, pull out of this. <laughs>
you know, and uh, the first time around, I, I I didn't learn my lesson. You know, I I thought about it, and I, I was still living life on the edge. But the second time around, that's when I said, oh, I got to turn my life around. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I got to get out of this life and just start all over, you know. And that's what I did. You know, came down here and started my life all over. And, and now I fight against the government and corruption and I want to help people, you know, and help them see what, what, you know, what's going on. I've seen too much. I've seen things to try to help people. Like, it's not a situation I haven't been in in life where I can't help out somebody else. That's how I see it, you know. I've been in the worst places, most dangerous places that is known to man today. I survived two murder attempts on my life that were sure, surely any, most people would die. I came through on that, and I want to, you know, I want to help people. That's I still, you know, I love everybody. I, I believe everybody deserves another chance. I believe, every, you know, I'm not, I'm not a mean person anymore. I don't believe in hurting anybody. I believe, you know, life is very precious, and you know, I believe in helping people. But you know, like I said back years ago, though, I was a crazy son of a bitch, you know. And I think back, and I was like, how could I have been like that? You know, I was being mean like that. Life is precious. You know, to take someone's life, to take everything from somebody, you know, their life, everything they have, and what they're all about. Terrible thing, to have, a burden to have on your shoulders, to know that you took everything from somebody, you know. That, that's, a bad, that's a bad feeling, you know. It's a bad thought to have, knowing that you took everything from somebody, you know, because your life is important. What you are, who you are, you're, you know, who am I to play God? To take your life, you know, who is anybody to take another exactly. human life? Your life is precious. And that's exactly you know? why my position on, like, the death penalty, for example, has changed as I've gotten older. It's like, you know, because when you're young, you don't understand what 20 years from now or 30 years from now, you know, the possibilities of what somebody can be. Um, yeah. and even the worst people and, um, especially the worst people sometimes are the ones the world. turn around the most. And yeah. so it's like the death penalty to me is state station murder. That's the government murdering somebody for their crimes, you know, and, yeah. and society being okay with that. It's like, you're, you're going to take somebody and end their life and any possibility for redemption, you know, any possibility that they might actually turn themselves around and do good in this world. And yeah. so it's like, it's, and, and it's very tempting, you know, it's very tempting, you that know, power. when you get child molesters and, you know, people that, you know, torture and mutilate kids and, you know, some of these drug cartels with the human trafficking and the and the torture that they put people through. Anger, and it's really, and really tempting to go, yeah, you know, string them up, uh, you know, string them up with a rope or, you know, um, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really tempting. It, even for me, sometimes I'm conflicted. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? It still boils down to state, you know, state-sanctioned murder, guys. You know, you're, allowed, yep. you're giving the government permission to kill people. You know, yep. <laughs> and I just have a huge yeah. problem with that. 
Yeah, you're right, you know, and that's from life experience that you know that you've lived your life. See, when you, like you said it, when you're young, you don't value the years ahead of you because you don't know about them. You don't know what you could have changed or been or who you touched or who you've been with, you know. You don't know who you could have accomplished things with. You don't know because when you're young, you don't know nothing shit about life experience. Yeah, you know like time now, what looks, still, you know. You know? When I was 20, I really did not envision me being 50 years old. You know, I could barely see myself past 30. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. envisioning you, myself you at 50, that was, hag. like, so mentally, you know, impossible for me to really kind of, uh, you know, sink my teeth into that, yeah, someday I'm going to be 50 years old. And yeah, what kind an of person, person am I going to be? Um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> an old person that's fat and out of shape and can't do nothing. Man, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm strong, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, what, what are you talking about? I'm not an old man, you know. <laughs> I mean, jeez, you know. But when you're when you're but when you're 20, you think when you turn 50, that's it. It's all over, or you're not even gonna make it that far. <laughs> and no, I'm no, thinking, 40, man, I'm gonna try to make it to you my know, 80. 40 is the end of life, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. You're old at 40. <laughs> You're an old man. <laughs> I remember when my best friend and I both turned 40. We were like, we're old bitches now. We're fucking old. Oh, God. And it's like, and now here we just turned 50, and it's like, oh, my God, we're, like, extra old. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, times have changed, too, you know. They say the, new, the 50 is like the new 30, you know. That's what they say, anyway. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I... I not for I mean, me. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not a teenager anymore. I know I'm not, you know, 25 years old. I don't understand that. But actually, you know what? I feel more mature and more stronger and more adept to handle situations. I'm kind of glad I'm at where I'm at right now. <clears throat> I would not want to be 19 years old in today's world, you know? Uh, I'm happy, you know, when it, I mean, would I give it back maybe five, ten years? Eh, what the heck, you know? I wouldn't mind. But, but, you know what? At the same time, hey, I got plenty of life to live, you know? What happens, happens, you know? I, I like to pass my experience down to other people, you know? I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think life's over. I it's mean, like, I'm not I'm, I'm at not that age now old. where now I understand my mom and my parents or even my grandparents yeah. when they said that, you know, I wish I my brain now and insert it into the, the 20-year-old self. You know, oh, have the wisdom now and have, you know, <laughs> the mentality now and, go and plant it back into my stupid 20-year-old brain. <laughs> You'd be dangerous. You'd be dangerous <laughs> at 20 years old. <laughs> Wow, well, yeah, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be something? You'd be quite a weapon out there, <laughs> young and smart. Yeah, exactly. You know? Wow, that, yeah, that would be uh, pretty cool, you know. But but then again, I guess that's what you know. See, my mission now in life, now that I saw what's going on and everything in my life, my, I would like to search for what happens when we die. You know, what's going to happen when we die? I like to know where we're going to go. You know, what's life really about? I mean, how do we know there's life after death? I want to know. I want to know about the spiritual world, I guess you could say, you know, without being getting involved with uh, the things I shouldn't get involved with. You know, I want to know what happens when I die. I want to know where I go. I want to know if this is true. I, I want to know if there's a God. I want, That's why yeah. religion is, you know, religion is there and has always been there in some form. 
Um, yeah. You know, I think human beings, we've always innately asked that question, and that's why whether it's one God that humans believe in or whether there's 20, you know, whether it's Odin or, you know, whether it's Zeus or whether it's the God of trees well, is there or heaven? God is there of heaven? flowers or whatever the hell it is, you know, we've well, always had to believe in something beyond Do you end up as a spirit or a soul? I mean, what happens when you die? Where do you go? I want to know. You know, I would like to know what's it like when you die. I mean, or do I just go down to the freaking ground with the worms and that's it? I go to sleep and I just don't know what the hell happens. Kind of like when I go to sleep tonight, I go to sleep and boom, that's it. I wake up in the morning. You're just done. Yeah, no more consciousness. You know, that's a possibility too. It's it's a possibility and maybe even a probability, um, you know, that that's exactly what happens. We're done. We're, We're done and over with. The only yeah. way we exist is in other people's minds, our family, our friends, people that knew us, oh, that's um, that kind of thing. That's the only mm-hmm. way we exist is in is in memories of other people. Uh, but, you know, wow. that's a whole possibility that we're just done. You know, there is no consciousness afterwards. We die, we're done. No you know, uh, and, you know, that that's possible. I don't want to believe it. But it's possible. I, I have to either. believe in the possibility that that's the reality. Um, I am spiritual. I do believe that I have a soul. I do believe that there is something more after this shell, this this yeah. three-dimensional physical shell dies. I believe yeah. that something else happens after that. But that's a belief. That is not, you know, something There's tangible no that I can say. Is 100% you true. Have no proof. You have no proof. You know? Everyone says, yeah, you got proof of the Bible. But really, we don't have no proof. Right? Yeah. I mean, the Bible is, you know, written words on paper, you know? Yeah. That, <laughs> you know, people has anybody wrote come down. Back from heaven and and talk to you? Has anybody ever come back from heaven and talked to you? No. <laughs> right? I mean, no, not me. You know, that's why I'm yeah. fascinated by stories of people like that. And I think <laughs> we talked about that before. Like, you know, people with near yeah. death, people that did die. That's and, a good show topic. And, you that's know, they're dying topic. on an operating table. They were, you know, brain dead for, you know, a few minutes to a few hours or whatever, and they're brought back. And, you know, people that drown in frozen waters and, and, you know, and they're underwater for a half hour before they're, you know, resuscitated and stuff like that. And they come back and they have memories of stuff. They can describe the people around them and what was said and what people, you know, and in detail and, you know, where they were taken and, you know, and they can remember shit that there's no fucking way they could ever remember or know about or be aware of, you know, and and that's what fascinates me. And that's what solidifies my belief that, yes, there is something more out there, you know, that, yes, we do exist beyond this physical shell of a body. Um, And then ghost experiences. I've had ghost experiences. Have Um, you? You have? Yeah, I've had ghost experiences. (laughs) 
Um, Why? What did you see? That, you know, also convinced me that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, you know, the spirit or the ghost has not passed on to whatever's next. They're in the, you know, this interim realm for whatever reason. And, um, you well, know, yeah, I've had ghost experiences. My mom has, my Aunt Linda, my cousin and I both experienced at the same time. Um, wait a second, wait a second. What did you experience? <laughs> I'm interested in knowing. <laughs> um, a, a lot of it was at my grandpa's house. Um, old farm. His his house uh, was like one of those couple hundred year old farmhouses. And yeah. um, my mom experienced stuff. Um, mostly, you know, sounds feelings like you know that um what they typically talk about like with all of a sudden this even though it's like hot summer and there was no air conditioning you know uh hot summer evening and just suddenly you know just walking into the room and it and it feels like you just walked into a freezer and then really back out again you know uh cold spots um uh, my my cousin and I, I remember this so distinctly, I think she's a couple of years older than I am, so I think she was about 12, and I think I was about 10. And um, we were staying at my grandpa's house. We were in the living room. He had a, you know, sofa bed. And uh, my grandpa's rocking chair in, in the living room uh, where it sat, like, the the floor would creak very distinctly. Like when so, when you sat down in that rocking chair and you rocked back and forth, it was its own uh-huh. unique sound. You know, no other sound in the house, no other creaking of the boards or anything in the house sounded exactly like the sound of when you were rocking back and forth in Grandpa's rocking chair. You know, yep. typical. You know, just a typical wooden rocking chair. And um, so she and I were in bed and it's all you know grandpa's in the in his bedroom grandma's in her bedroom um it was you know nobody was up and um we both saw in the kitchen this little red light and it was floating around in the kitchen because you could see between the living room like you know the the arcway or the doorway that you know separated the the kitchen from the living room so we could see it floating around kind of going in and out of view based on that vantage point you know between the arcway and then coming back into view so it's floating around and we're like what the fuck is that and this is before laser lights you know so we're talking you know i was this is 40 years ago you didn't have tap laser lights or anything and plus it just like it, it was independent it was it wasn't coming from anything you know what i mean it was it's like floating around and she and i were just sitting there and we're like watching this thing and we're just stone cold quiet we, you know we both noticed it at the same time and you know we're you know kind of nudging each other and it was you know, like barely any light, you know, in there, except for maybe like, you know, off in the distance, the outside light, just barely enough light coming into the windows and uh, to see each other or make each other out. And, uh, 
And so we're like, what the fuck? And then it, it started coming into the living room. And when it started coming into the living room, then we, you know, we covered our heads with the blankets. We're like, oh, shit, uh-huh. you know, and we're, like, hiding under the blankets. We're like, what the fuck is coming into the living room now, you know? And so we're just sitting there, and we're quiet, and we're under the blankets, and we're like, holy shit, holy shit, you know, um, but being quiet. And the next thing you know, we hear that creak of the floor. Whatever it was, oh, that oh, oh, fucking oh. thing, sat down, you know, and – no, not just push the rocking chair. No, it did not make that sound if you just pushed the rocking chair, you know, to make it rock. It wouldn't make that sound. You actually had to sit in it. It needed the weight of something to rock back and forth and make that creaking sound, right? Uh, yeah. So we're like, whatever the fuck it is, it's literally like putting pressure on the rocking chair and making it rock. We heard that this, and it's like, and the rocking chair is right at our feet, like, maybe two, three feet away from us at most, from our feet. And then we were, like, really freaking out. You know, we're like, what the fuck? It's like, you know, right at the end of us, you know. And it creaked about four or five times like that. And um, and then everything was quiet. And, like, we fully expected something to, like, grab our feet or something, you know. Like, we were yeah. both like, what the fuck? Are we, is this going to be, like, a poltergeist thing? Like, you know, where where the clown comes out and pulls you under the fucking bed. <laughs> um, like, we fully expected something like that. And, uh, but it didn't happen. And so it's like, after it was quiet for a minute or so, um, then I uncovered my face from the blanket. And I could see in the light that the rocking chair was still rocking. It just wasn't oh making God. the noise. You know what I mean? So it's like somebody was sitting there, you know, or putting pressure on it to make it creak, but then left. No more light. It was gone, but the rocking chair was still rocking back and forth. Like how a rocking chair does when somebody just gets up, you know, and it rocks back and forth, you know, several times before it settles. Um, and, And then, you know, Maggie and I were just like, holy shit, you know. And we knew it wasn't my grandmother because my grandmother was still in her bedroom. You know, we knew that. We could hear her snoring. Uh, my grandpa was <laughs> still in his room because the door never opened. You know, the old, you know, farm doors. If he had opened up the bedroom door, we would have heard it. Uh, so we knew he was, you know, nobody around. Like, we did not know what the fuck that was. Um, wow. And she and I still remember that story. And, like, we, we hadn't talked to each other for several years and we mentioned this story I'm like do you remember you know like whatever that was ghost or whatever it was at grandpa's house and she's like yeah and then she told me that when she got a little older um a few years later she was talking to my aunt linda my mom's sister and told her that story and my aunt linda said the exact same fucking thing happened to her that she saw wow. this red light, this little itty bitty red light, um, and you know, an almost you know identical kind of situation. And uh, in that case, though, it wasn't the rocking chair. Um, I, I forget what made a noise. It, she heard a noise too, um, or something. But she saw the little red light floating around, um, and it freaked her out. And um, 
and it made a noise and stuff like that. And so, you know, it totally validated, like, you know, my cousin is telling me this. He's like, yeah, I talked to my mom and she said the same thing happened to her. And when she was young, you know, so there's something, you know, I don't know what it was, but, and and then talking to my mom later, um, apparently on the other side of the farm, twice somebody tried to build a house down uh, across the field closer to the little lake uh, that my grandfather, you know, owned, was only one of two owners around this little lake and had access to it. Um, yep. Well, prior to my grandpa's farmhouse, uh, going back in the history of it, twice somebody had built a house there, and both of those houses had burned down within a year. And oh, there were still boy. remnants of one <laughs> of them in the forest that, you know, when I went exploring, like, with my sister and stuff, we saw the remnants of it, like, you know, the brick and what was the chimney and stuff. And so that's why the house, my grandpa's house, um, was built where it was because they kind of, like, felt that that area was cursed down there. And so they built the house all the way across the field and away from that area. And so yeah. we've always felt like, yeah, there's definitely some ghost presence here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so that was just, like, one of the times. Um, another time, I'm I'm still fully believe I conjured a ghost. Um. What's that I believe it was a friendly one um, using um, using like crystal magic and being very specific about the ghost that I conjured. Um, you know, not a specific name, but, you know, uh, as part of, of, as part of the conjuring, making, you know, making demanding that it's only, you know, only to allow uh, a spirit that has good intentions that will yeah, do no yeah. harm, you know, that, you know, that kind of thing. And um, I do believe I conjured one that hung around for a couple of weeks until I demanded that it finally leave. Um, wow. Uh, and this, that was, um uh, yeah, it's like really weird and it's hard to describe. It's like um like I remember after I conjured it there was a specific spot in the hallway that whenever it was around like my cat would freak. You know, um my cat would just for no reason just my cat would just be walking along and would get in a spot in the hallway and I protected my bedroom. I specifically said you are not allowed in my bedroom. Um, my bedroom is my safe space. You're not allowed in it. And so I never, so the the spirit never came into my room. It was always in, it was in the hallway. Um, yeah. Hung out in the hallway and downstairs. And my cat would just be like, you know, walking along and it would get to a certain area in the hallway, you know, once in a while. And you could, I could tell it was there because the cat would just get, you know, all puffy out of nowhere, you know, there's nothing there, you know, and all of a sudden the cat would just be like all fucking poofy and staunchy and like, you know, uh, run away from it and like just stare at that area from a distance all poofy like, 
Um, and then I would walk through there, and it would be the cold spot thing, like I said, uh, those cold spots. Like it was like walking through a freezer, you know, and then back out again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. Yikes. Um, you know, and yet it was also like it was kind of freaky, but yet at the same time, it like I, I even I when I walked through it, even though it's cold, like I sensed that it wasn't a, a an evil spirit, you know, that it was a good spirit. It wasn't going to harm me. Um, and I just, I did not feel afraid of it. You know, it was weird and it was freaky, you know, in a way like, wow, did I really do this? Um, kind of a way, but I knew that I was safe. I knew that it wasn't going to harm me or anybody else. You know, I, I just had that sense. And, um, but eventually it was like, after a couple of weeks or so, um, I finally asked it to leave. And I said, really I don't good. know, you know, where you need to be or where you need to go, um, you know, but I don't want to keep you from wherever it is you're supposed to be any longer. Uh, so I'm letting you go. Um, and then after that, no more experiences with the cat like that. No more experiences of like, like I'm walking in and out of a freezer. Um, nothing like that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Wow. Pretty crazy. I know. That's a... that. <laughs> I don't like ghosts. But you know what? Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of, it's that kind of thing. Like I'm thankful for it because it's like, that tells me like, that's why I can't be like a non-believer of, you know, some higher spirit or creator or, you know, I, I can't not believe that there's something more to us after our body perishes. I do believe in a spirit and I do, you know, there's something more to us uh, because of that. And maybe if it wasn't for that, I'd be more prone to not believe in God at all or not even believe in the possibility of God. You know what I mean? Um, I, I might not be open to it, but it's those experiences that give me that faith that, um, yeah, there is something more out there. And it's not all bad, you know. Uh, it's not all evil. Um, it's kind of freaky, yeah. But to know that there was a spirit there, to really feel it, um, and know that, and at the same time, just know, just knowing to my core that that spirit was not there to harm me. It wasn't going to harm anybody, you know. It was just there. It was hanging out being entertained by our comings and goings or whatever. Um, it was just there, you know, uh, by, and I, and I had asked it to be, you know, um, in that case, my grandpa's one that freaked me out, you know, <laughs> that one freaked me out because we did not ask for that fucker to come around, you know, <laughs> whatever that fucking red, the red wow. light was that was floating around <clears throat> and made the fucking rocking chair wow, go back crazy. and forth and all that shit. You know, yeah. we had, that one was weird. And then it was even weirder that my Aunt Linda, you know, to find out years later uh, through my cousin that my Aunt Linda had the same experience or a very similar experience with that red light thing. I mean, that was really weird. Like, wow, it wasn't just us then, you know. It wasn't just us being kids and our imagination running wild, you know. Are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. 
I'm here. <laughs> you got me oh, freaked okay. out. <laughs> I didn't know if Blog Talk hung up on us or not because we've been on for a while. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, that's one uh, thing. Actually, you know, and uh, then of course, I think I've talked about the UFO experiences too. But my mom is, my mom has her stories about you know weird stuff on the farm too, and yeah, 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 it's one of those things. <laughs> Wow, that's some weird stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's just a powerful story, you know. And it's firsthand testimony from you. It's real, you know. I mean, it's testimony. Yeah, like to, I, to like, I would wow. have. I would have no reason to make this shit up, you know. Like, yeah, oh, no, no, please no, no. look like that. a fucking yeah, crazy just... person, and you know, have people think that I'm nuts. <laughs> please, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, like, oh, yeah. it's not something but, that I talk know, about that, very often because it does sound kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, but it's but it makes sense though, and, and it's 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 real. I can tell you, you're telling the truth. But it's like, wow, that's weird, man. It's crazy, you know. It just shows that there's life. What is this life like? What, that stuff that you did see, then what is that life? Who is that? You know? <clears throat> Does that mean we're stuck here? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> got me thinking. Well, well anyway, then, uh, I haven't wow. even told my one my <laughs> other story about how I think my grandfather I think my grandfather partially saved me after he had died. Oh, um, I want to hear this one. Go ahead, tell me this was, one. Um, yeah, it was um he had died um the day before what was it? It was like the day before Halloween, I believe. I think I believe it was October thirtieth. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, but no, that's not really too significant, but it was, um, uh, it was after his funeral. Um, I had driven there. Um, I was 16 when he died and, uh, I had driven to where, um, you know, for his church service and stuff there in Marina St. Croix in Minnesota. And I had my best friend, my two best friends with me. Um, Sheila and Bobby, and um, it was, and then after the service and everything, we went back to the farmhouse, and we had gathered, and I realized that I had lost my silver watch, and I loved the silver watch. To this day, I've never been able to find a silver watch like this. I loved this fucking thing. It was like a bracelet. It was really pretty. Um, it was my favorite watch. 